listeners, how are you doing? Yeah, yeet. We have a very important lesson today. <laughs> we, um, we have some words of advice uh, for Generation Z. Um, and we want to have a conversation with our Generation Z listeners, because frankly, I'm about to dye my hair pink, give up on political organizing, and download Fortnite Battle Royale. Uh, that's right, Adam is going to go deep into the dark recesses of his mind and uh, start to explore uh, all of the strange, um, weird, bizarre, stupid things that you youngsters do on the internet. We have a guest today. Let's introduce him. Yes. This is John. John, tell us who you are and what you do. Uh, Jonathan I, Weiner. Yeah, I'm, uh, who am I and what do I, who, who is my daddy and what do I, uh, okay, um, I am uh, 22 and I'm, I graduated from film school, uh, and right now I'm working at a production house in Brooklyn doing assistant editing work on a Malcolm X documentary that I can tell you guys nothing about. Why not? Because I signed a non-disclosure agreement. Oh. Does you do you telling us what you're working on also violate the non-disclosure it agreement? Very much might, yeah. So I'm gonna bleep out what you're working on. I appreciate that. <laughs> we can have a pedagogically informed discussion on the politics of Malcolm X. Um, we probably could, if you'd like to, yeah. We're going to bleep out you talking... That sentence, I have to bleep out that, too. <laughs> Why? Why? Because it, 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 it was in reference to what he signed an NDA about. Yeah, he's right. So this is all getting bleeped already? Everything. I actually Almost. don't know if that... I don't really care. Okay, we're probably fine. No one's yeah, listening to this no anyway. Exactly. That's not true. Connor listens. Connor Donnellan. So Connor... Oh, we got to bleep that! No! We don't have to bleep Connor's name. Connor, if you're listening to this, I am not working on a documentary about Malcolm X. All right. So what are we discussing? Let's let's let's, let's start there. What's on the uh, the front pages of Reddit? I'm gonna go on my favorite Reddit page, uh, Chapo Trap House. What? It's the best one. What yeah, does it have to do with Generation Z? Yeah, exactly. Oh, how how would we how would we find out what they what they're up to? Well, do you think that Chapo Trap House? Their li what's their like? No, it's their across, across, It goes up to Gen X for sure. Across. Wasn't the plan to discuss things from our time as younglings and discuss what we've learned from that to be in reference to the age at which Gen Z is? Sure. I think that makes sense. That works. Yeah. I thought that was what we decided on before we started. So... We, I don't know. I don't know. Well, 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 we kind of were talking about how we all went to high school together, which is sort of where this whole conversation started. And our perspective on high school seems to be, in retrospect, that it was kind of a destabilizing force, that it started, it's that, can you guys kind of agree on that? That it wasn't something that was necessarily entirely positive? What did it destabilize? Well, it... Your brain. <laughs> the kind of the experience of going to high school in America is, is more of a sort of safeguarding of ideals that... Uh, don't apply to everyday life post high school. Well, that's for sure. I agree on that. It um, it does not prepare you well practically for the future. But I don't also I don't know if that's the job of high school. The job of high school is really just to like um, prepare students, give get students to the point where they can graduate and earn those basic skills and prove that they have the skills, and then maybe prepare them for college. Um, but I don't know, is it on the role of the institution of high school to build those practical skills, or is it just, or, or, are, you referring to, or, or are you referring to the social environment? I think we're referring to both. Yeah. The institution and the social environment. Absolutely. 
And um, from 2010 to 2014, although Matt was, I think, 11 to 15, the institution and the social environment intersected at the Entour Company, which was the drama uh, theater club that we were a part of and helped define our Calhoun experience. Uh, Before we even continue with that, uh, according to Business Insider, millennials comprise 1981 to 1996, which means... According to this this diagram from the Pew Research Center, I am actually Gen Z. Oh so wow! You, so yeah, you, you have to uh, refer to me now. <laughs> this is actually you talking to me. I need your wisdom. All right. So I guess I guess the gist of this episode is that Adam and I are incredibly well, smart. Well, no, it is and 90, Matt doesn't wait, know shit. And 1996 does one. Which one ends? And which one? Like, is 1996 is in which bracket? In millennials. It's we're, in there. We're, so okay, we're the Nine, tail end so of January first, nineteen ninety-seven is technically Gen Z. So that, that, <laughs> I think ninety-nine is a better cutoff, and also Matt remembers nine eleven. I remember nine eleven. So do you I remember nine eleven? I do not remember. You're fucking un-American. You remember nine eleven? Very vaguely. It's so weird that you remember it vividly. I have a very vague memory. <laughs> Was that the last time that you and I were in the same class? In, oh, in the day uh, of nine eleven school? Yeah. What? Because we were what? Jackson, no sixth grade. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The day of 9-11, on, on September 12th, every, everything changed. Yes, you two were taken from your class. I think 1999 starts it. I think that makes way more sense. I think my sister, or 98, but... Your sister's a Gen Zer. My sister is totally a Gen Zer, and when also... When was she born? Uh, 1999, October. John and yeah. I, and, and you, we all had friends who were older than us. 1998 might that, be the better cutoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you know people in high school who are older than you... And you like are in high and you were born in the late nineties. You're I think that pushes you into the millennial a little bit. Unless you're ninety nine, apparently. Yeah, because people like and are in that millennial mold. Yeah, but I mean. Oh, do we have to? Oh, can well, you say I, names? How does it? I'm gonna bleep out everything. Don't worry. You can okay. just say it. <laughs> just say it. What Matt's saying is that this episode's not gonna come out for about a month. <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh, but but what we're what what you're implying there is that I feel like somehow you're set you, like you're trying to push that boundary further and further away from you as if you don't want to be a part of Gen Z. He doesn't. Right. Uh, well, no, I don't. No, but I, I I don't have any attachment towards millennials. I just don't feel like I don't feel like I fit the Gen Z mold. Well, there are definitely parts of your life and parts of all our lives that like well, like, well how do we, how do we define that? What is the Gen Z mold? What separates a Gen? What makes a Gen Zer distinct from a millennial? Did you guys see Eighth Grade, the movie with Bo Burnham? I really like that movie. Yeah, that's that's Gen Z, man. Sure. It's like phones, Instapix. South Park. If you watch South Park in your teenage years and early teenage years, you're a late millennial. That's for sure. What if you never watched South Park? Do you exist? You missed it all? <laughs> this no. is not scientific. It's social yeah. science, right? So it's all figurative and speculative. And Correct. It's kind of Like what subjective. I majored in, sociology. Yeah. So the only thing I the only thing I have to say about the about eighth grade is that Bo Burnham, the director, he like that's partially based on his life and like it was based on his life. Yeah, and like or his experience necessarily, you know, like how it felt for him to grow up, and and like that makes the arc of that film much greater than the the nuances of whatever that particular girl's experience was, like. His sense of being judged, his like, his exposing himself artistically at a young age, like, I feel like all of that is universal. And then it's just like these stupid like little nuances of like, okay, so she's, she's what? She's got the countdown timer on her her video chat app. You yeah. know what I mean? Is that? 
Do you well, guys know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 the comfort medium changes. With, the medium changes. The, the medium message changes. is the same. Exactly, yeah. and and comfort. Like if you if you really in your teenage years, if you got laid, like, and you you co- you connected with people intimately and friendships really through those like snap messages and snap stories and Instagram, like my sister, that is like a qualitatively different experience than millennials who at least used Facebook Messenger, which was around in like two thousand nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So are we like the? And then, but even before that, like there's AIM. Like everybody was. Right, like, AIM is well, well AIM is AIM. definitively millennial. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's just so old now. Yeah. But I mean, Uvu. What is Uvu? The video chatting thing. No, Snapchat. Oh, wow. Snapchat really blew up. Thing. Twenty. <laughs> Snapchat really got big, like 2014, 2015, yeah, and that was when we all were leaving high school into, into college, right? Sean yeah. and I started college 2014. Remember Yik Yak? You like that? Right, oh Yik Yak was 2014. The bullying app. <laughs> all these apps start out as horrible things and they're always designed to be I always say that the next social media craze is just designed to be terrible yeah. it's designed to do bad things that's where I put my stock in if, if I'm an investor you put your stock in the bullying apps into the sexting apps yeah because Snapchat was a sudden nudes well Yik Yak flopped but that's just because they didn't stick to their guns but it was huge for a year I don't yeah. know why it ended also yeah, I, I think I th- um, it probably still exists I think they, ch- you know what they did? They changed the format. They They, did. they stopped making it anonymous. They should have ah, stuck yeah. to their guns. Yeah. And continued allowing yeah. yeah. the bully yeah. 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 Anytime, anytime these apps try to whitewash what they're doing, they flap. Uh, like people, the people app, where you can rate your friends. That's a thing. It was in 2015. It was a big story on the That's John Oliver and Steve Colbert. But if they had stuck to their guns, everyone would be on people now, not TikTok. What, what's TikTok? Oh. That's real Gen Z or shit. Yeah, I don't know anything. It's cringe. It's just cringe. I, I, see, I see. It's like a lip sync app. You use it to lip sync and make cringy memes. Okay, I see advertisements for that on YouTube. Yeah. Like, apparently, YouTube thinks I'm a Gen Zer. Yeah. But YouTube treats everyone like a Gen Zer. It really I mean, does. I get the Ben Shapiro stuff. I I'm seeing Sam Hyde videos already just because one time Matt showed me at my apartment. Who's Sam Hyde? Oh. Oh, you gotta listen to the other episodes. Oh, sorry. He's a, no, no, I've no, revealed myself as we being have a, talked about that be, twice. Be a long time. He's a uh, not listener. He's a uh, absurdist, absurdist comedian who appeals to Gen Z and non normies and alt writers. It's a it's the darkest, most fucked up sociopathic kind of humor. So do you guys associate do you guys associate Gen Z entirely with a kind of like nihilistic black pill complete, shit? Absolutely. Yeah. Absurdist black and pill. And I was just gonna move into like I was just gonna bring yeah. this up. If you are very familiarized with the alt right and still in high school, yeah. that's a definitive Gen Z thing. Because when mm-hmm. we were in Calhoun, were the culture wars raging? Were the, were the culture wars raging as heavy? Not at all. Not at all. Not like, at all. Like the SJW thing wasn't a huge trope. No. Everything was just vaguely progressive. Like gay marriage was coming Obama. in. Obama. Obama. It was Obama's first and second terms. Yeah. yeah. But like something happened around like 2014, 2015. Later. Maybe it was Black Lives Matter. No, 2015 it was starting because I was on the debate team in 2015, and that's when people started in, saying intersectionality in, everywhere. But at least in Calhoun, like. The discussion, the political discussion in Kreitzberger's class, right? His his discussion was like, "Oh wow, look, it's gonna be Bush versus Clinton. It's that's right. it." it was you never had the the, the strong SJW. Kreitzberg. Shit. I don't know. Burger, Burger. It was Burger, right? 
don't know. I'm friends with them on Facebook. I but should know this. now, for my friends in DSA who are teachers, some people I've talked to, people will play video games and, and listen to Ben Shapiro videos and Turning Point USA videos and Jordan Peterson At videos. 14? Yes. 15, 16, they'll play video games really? and have that YouTube loop on in the background. So there is, like, a growing... The, the, yeah. It's addictive. It feeds into this, like... It's not about the politics. It just feeds into this uh, angsty, aggressive need for authority figures who are male and feed into whatever bullshit they believe at that moment. No, there's a weird reactionary conservative current to Gen Z. If, if, it's going to be the first if, if ad, conservative generation in a while. It, it, they're More very conservative. conservative. Right. Uh, Gen Z is very not, conservative. Not in, that, not in the mold we're used to. They're not like boomer conservatives. They're no. going to be like... In a weird way. It's, it's, it's almost like that Ben Shapiro hyperlogic, hyperfacts, and also reaction to Amazing. morality. But not like facts. Don't call it hyperfacts because okay. it's not factual. But that's what they would call it. They would say well, they're, they're being objective. Well, they're idiots. Well, but I feel I feel like there's also like um my 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 my, my this I see this with my brother. My brother's 14, so he's is right, he a bench yeah, guy? He's not. <laughs> he, he doesn't know anything about politics. He doesn't know anything about anything. But the the truth of the matter is that he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about the rest of his friends, but it feels like they just don't have the discussions that, and maybe we as the three of us are dif are different, but they just don't have the discussions about those kinds of things, and they're not willing to talk about anything sensitive because they're scared of mm. of, of offending somebody maybe or of, what about of, the gender stuff I'm just because this is yeah. where there are some topics where like literally like so the social norms and social culture is slightly political so like uh, possessive are they possessive about girls and have expectations about people who like are sexually liberated because if they are like I'm asking yeah. is it misogynistic do you know like I, or, or I don't is feel it, like that's changed that much. Right. Yeah, yeah. There was that. There was that. Well, there, there, well, yeah. well, it's not misogynistic necessarily, but I think that I think that they just don't. Maybe it's because they're young. Maybe fourteen's a little young to have developed this, and maybe I'm seeing people who are too young to understand what they're doing. But like, I know that my brother, not my brother, but my brother's friends, were using like the N word like yeah. casually. Right. To we, each right, other, we and they're about. all white from the suburbs, and like you know, they 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 they, they probably aren't as self aware in terms of their, um, the taboos. But they wouldn't do that publicly, would they? Not in front of, if we say publicly, you mean in front of B -side, adults. B-side, B-side, when they say it at B-side. Or do you mean, you mean, uh, in, in front, front, of, in front of people that don't know them, anybody, uh, I don't young, know. old. I don't know, I, I don't know, maybe. Because they can say stupid shit yeah. in their closed group, mm -hmm. and the moral, ethical, whatever have you, sure. problems with it, you can debate and argue, but the, the, the only clear, truly, wrong thing would be if they're just throwing that around around people that they don't know whether or not they're going to take that the wrong way right because yeah, yeah you're we're both we're both presuming that these kids aren't truly hateful people right i i hope not <laughs> so we don't know but, actually but that's, but that's the thing is that i'm actually wondering if if because you guys are talking about this generation having this kind of toxic sort of weird alt-right Esque mm -hmm. vibe, right? Yeah. So you talk about being a bad. I don't know if it's all toxic. If it's all toxic, but it's certainly in that direction. But it, it's 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 reactionary politics. They're reacting to political correctness. But they're reacting to it, and they're not old enough to understand what they're reacting to, or to understand how they're reacting. So they're just it's, it's just it's a gut instinct. It's an emotional rebellion but against that's what Peterson these is, constrictions. Is. Yeah. It's all when, like that. yeah. No, but yeah. But, Peterson. Well, but Peterson is an emotional reaction. If there was, so I, I was into Peterson for a few months, you both know it, and it didn't change my actual political leanings away from like center left socialism or more socialism. Sure. But, but like, I felt that 
I was socially ostracized in a way that would not have happened if I were like if I were a woman or a minority. And I think me being this a white man you, was a part of it. This is how you felt. Listening. That was why. This is how you yeah. felt listening to Peterson, or this is what drew you. This is to why Peterson. when I listened to Peterson, some part of my brain was like, "Yes, yeah, it's nice to hear this." Yeah, because well, people who are vulnerable are the ones that Peterson. Targets. Yeah, yeah, if you're vulnerable. Right, it's why he wrote 12 rules for life, for Christ's sake. These are right. Words. For people who don't know what to do, yeah. here's my book. And I was depressed, and my room was messy, and it, he, he was speaking to people who felt in a similar uh, mentality. Yeah. Um, now, his, his actual ideological subscriptions beyond the self-help mumbo-jumbo, that stuff is kind of a weird sleight of hand where he's going after Marxism in a way that's not right. But, like, and we could talk about that another this time. This is how all of it good cult leaders do their shit. Right. They find the vulnerable people, they find what grievances they have, they address them, and then they slip them using that sleight of hand, they yeah. slip in a whole lot of weird shit, and right. they get them to buy into it, and they take them to a compound, and they, and they all die. the true, right, yeah, and they weave those nuggets of truth. Like, uh, the intersectionality stuff is not coherent at a theoretical level. Like, there, there's a whole, there's a lot we could talk about with that, but... There's truth to that, and PC culture has gone too far in certain spaces. I'm not afraid to say it, but, like, he then mixes in things like, that's why, stop trying to change the world, just focus on cleaning your room, or all feminists are out to get you. He, he takes it too far, and he, and he does it by mixing truth and, you know, well, but bullshit. Still, well, but, well, but you just said two things that are so, I mean, maybe they're both tenets of his or whatever. I don't know that much about Peterson. But when you say something like, stop trying to change the world, start trying to clean your room, in theory, that makes sense. That's a similar thing to saying, like, you can't change the world until you change yourself, right? And then saying, like, something like, all feminists. No, feminist. but what, yeah. he, what he's doing is he takes the social justice people who are irrational, yeah. and he strawmans them as the entirety of left-wing movement politics, right? Okay. It's like... Like, uh, he's, he would be like, hey, man, anyone who claims to be a Marxist, I'm wary of these days because you should see what they're doing on the campuses. It's like not all socialist politics is about, like, you know, ostracizing people for speech. Well, but he, he I mean, you have you have people who are socially liberal who will do the exact same thing. Anyone who claims to be pro-business, anyone who claims to be a capitalist is, is you know, I'm wary of them. I, you know, they're not, whereas they're not all looking to rob the little guy. They're not all looking to you're correct. extort, yeah. uh, you know, other people from... In so, terms of their own modus operandi, you're yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, whether the larger effect of their policy ideas is is, 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 is going to do that is something that, like, you can't really judge an individual for if, they've, if they're not aware of the larger, you know, scope of their dreams. Precisely. I don't know. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Maybe I'm just playing devil, devil's advocate here, but... What were we talking about, though? How, the, how it's like a cult thing. Yeah. It's that Gen, combination Gen, of Gen bullshit. Gen Z is a right. cult, is what you guys are saying. Uh, the Peterson that I was saying specifically. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Peterson's only one of them. And Peterson's newer, right? Milo Yiannopoulos was, like, huge in 2016, right? Mm -hmm. 2016, early 17. But that, that was... He had no substance. It was no, all, yeah, yeah. It was all a show, a shock show. It's but, a, but as much as Milo himself doesn't have a real ideological foundation, it feeds into that broader nihilistic reactionary thing. He was also, and then, he like, was also just Shapiro does provide for gays. That too. That was part of it. That's why people clung to it. Because it was like, oh, look, we have a gay guy. And that was really it. And it didn't yeah. really matter what he said. I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I wouldn't call it an Uncle Tom. I think that's a little, that's not fair to him. But, but you know, like, yes, you're right. Him being gay was part of the spectacle because he was also 
so viscerally well, conservative. It's it's kind of interesting. Um, you guys talk about Uncle Uncle Tom's. I'm just gonna try to break in here. Um, while I'm working on this thing about Malcolm X, um, um, there there he's, he 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 called out at one point. He called out uh, Martin Luther King as an Uncle Tom. And oh God, I hate that. So so he 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 was doing that because you know he was saying, uh, you know. Martin Luther King was trying to appease the white control structure and, and, and you know, and, and wasn't going far enough in his defense of black nationalist rights and things like that. Um, but, uh, or black rights in general. Um, but the, the, the cool thing is that at, towards the end of his life, after he left the Nation of Islam, he turned around and he actually said that, that, that the, the, the one of the most effective tools of having Martin Luther King there was basically if being that you had... You had Malcolm, which sort of scared the the white institutions, and then you had Martin Luther King, who was there as sort of a, a better alternative. Right, was right, still, right, right. It was, it was almost a tactic in that sense. They played good, good cop, bad cop. Good, yeah, right, exactly. exactly, exactly what doing. If you don't deal with Martin Luther King, you have to deal with Malcolm X. Yeah. Which is kind of an interesting tactic. I, don't, I mean, I don't know all that much about Milo Yiannopoulos, but was he anything it's brilliant. like that? It's brilliant. I don't know much about Malcolm X. Now, did, sure. did Malcolm X advocate violence against white people? Yeah, well, no, right. he advocated And the Nation of Islam was a militant organization that was structured like an army. But he, was it was it, was it really was it aesthetic militancy or was you know what I mean? Like he's been canonized as violent, and I, I'd, I'd love to reapproach that because sure. people of color are ostracized as being violent across American culture. So like, was 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 he just kind of like acting a little bit tougher, or was he really? Like preparing people for the race war in a physical way, you know he, what I mean? He, yeah. he uh, well, okay. So, I mean, I feel like he was preparing people for the race war in the way that doomsday preppers prep for doomsday. Okay. Like, right, right, like, right, 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 right. Like right. you know, he it was it was rhetoric, it was showmanship, it was um, it was fear tactics, it but it, but not 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 terrorism, not in that in that respect. But like he was just one aspect of a much larger organization, and some of them were incredibly violent. And, incre- and and there's a difference between being violent and vindictive. How and, are they violent? They would beat people up. They would. Uh, it, it was mostly Pops it was or... mostly amongst their own members. Oh, okay. It was actually okay. mostly amongst their own members and amongst other black organizations that were all sort of jostling for power. But did they ever like take over a town? Like <coughs> no. try and fight the no, oh, That would have been I mean, awesome. I mean, there's but, the, yeah, yeah. Why, well, the, but, the thing, but that's the thing is that that was the whole point was that Martin Luther King was there. He as long as he was being dealt with, they didn't have to. Right. Yeah. They could accuse him of being, you know, a, 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 a field worker all they wanted to, but you mean a house house worker. house worker? Sorry, all they wanted to, but it wouldn't it wouldn't change the fact that at least he was attempting to change policy. Yeah, working within the system. With, with Milo, you were bringing up. Yeah, we we were trying to draw a parallel that. Uh, yeah. That he is like a good cop to a bad cop, if there was one. That there is a another side to it. I don't. I think it's it's far more cynical than that. He's someone who was a showman. Who want, who's, who's, you know, he, he wanted attention and money, and he saw a clear opening that there wasn't a, a gay commentator on the right. And he took that spot, started calling Trump daddy. He marketed it. He started surrounding himself with big, hunky black guys with, like, these snakes that they would wear around their necks and the showmanship and the mansions and the parties, and they would invite all the incel weirdos over, and they would be like, oh, look, it's our gay guy, you see? We're not homophobic. And then they could prop up whatever homophobic speech they want right. and get away with it. Like, like Milo would always say how he wishes he wasn't gay. Or, like, he, he, would, he would slip in shit where 
he could say homophobic shit, and then he could any time someone challenges us, hey, that's homophobic. You say, but I'm gay, and then it's just that it was it, it was a tool. It was something he was he, he was utilizing his sexuality as a weapon against his own people. It's like he, it's, he is an Uncle Tom. He's a, he's he's a disgusting, horrible person. There's nothing good. the The only things he would ever say that were in the realm of truth were the stuff when he would go against the the uh, the shut them down campus people who wouldn't debate him. Because the minute he was on Bill Maher, right. Maher destroyed him. His entire fucking uh, crew in the roundtable murdered right. him. So Same I, with I, Peterson. They always straw man the stupidest elements of the of the liberal movement, right? And that's part of the. Then that's what's on YouTube. By Indianapolis debating like the stupidest feminist you'd ever see. Yeah. Right. Who's who's trying to deplatform something? Right. I didn't know anything about Milo Indianapolis before this discussion. I just yeah. want to put that out there. I wasn't actually trying to draw no, 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 no. any kind of parallel right, right, between right. him and Martin Luther King. <laughs> oh, wow. after, oh my after, God. After hearing what I don't, yeah. Um, after the hearing the the two of them together. FLK <laughs> <laughs> and Milo. Oh my God. But also just to, to really kill any yeah. hope to this comparison. Sure. At least, you know, the left does this all the time to their own detriment at the end of the day. The left, the, the institutional moderate liberals mm. will always differentiate themselves from the communists, the socialists, any violent street action. Like with Black Lives Matter, what the middle of the road people would say was like, as long as they're not the violent kind, I'm okay with it. That's what the left always does. The left differentiates themselves, or the liberal Democratic Party really differentiates themselves from any kind of radical left. But on the right, they don't do that. The center right they flirts almost, with the far right. Yeah, the flirt right. is a great way. I was going to say they, yeah. they wink and nod. They wink they, and nod. Yeah. We've talked about yeah. yeah, and like you know, during before Trump, although Trump completely epitomizes it, before Trump. You, ha you actually had a succession of waves of the Republicans moving right. First, like, Bush couldn't deal with the Reagan cloud, uh, crowd, George H.W. Bush. Then Newt Gingrich came in 1994 and amped up the craziness. And then George W. Bush came in, and a lot of George W. Bush's base was very extremely conservative, like the fundamentalist Christians. But Bush never distanced himself from, himself from that. Then Boehner, in 2011, couldn't control the Tea Party. Now we have Trump, who after the Charlottesville rally said there were good people on both sides and bad people on both sides. Horrible. So we all know Trump flirts with kind of the far-right, alt-right stuff. But then there's always that whenever it always hits a wall. Like, before another wave comes, there's, there's still a line. It doesn't just gradually just sweep in, like with uh, Steve King this week, Re Representative Steve King. Yeah, he, yeah, no, I know. Openly... There is a reaction to it. There is a re, there is a recoil, a small recoil, but it's it's but if not he had done like that the five years later. Would yeah. anyone give a shit? And and honestly, you mean like earlier, later, I'm you saying mean, things are getting crazier. Rep, did you know about the Steve King thing? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm saying right now, McConnell, um, all of them are speaking out against this guy. But if he had done that in 2022, would that happen? Yeah. Maybe not. We don't know yet. In 1988, George H.W. Bush beat Michael Dukakis on an explicitly racist ad showing uh, an African-American prisoner being furloughed, let out of prison, and saying, this is what Michael Dukakis supports. And he was looking at the camera, and white people with horrible prejudices about the world were scared shitless. And ever since then, they've been opening the door for what we have now. That's it. The, 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 and George H.W. Bush is not nearly as extreme as even the moderate Republicans today. 
but or what we call moderate Republicans today, even the Democrats today, the centrist Democrats. But George H. W. Bush would be a Democrat today. Absolutely, he would. Yeah, and I and I believe he voted for Hillary Clinton he did. in twenty sixteen. Right. So yeah, but so but they've still opened the door for it because they've been sprinkling this white supremacist fear mongering for years. Now we have this alt-right that's just on the march. And the kids are into it, which is so right. weird. Yeah. Right, this, this brings it back around. Because, well, well, fascism, it, it, it definitely it caters to like that emotional cult-like mentality, which if you think back on high school, if we start to now get to the okay. topic of discussion a little bit, yeah. so much of that was like that. We, we can easily shrug it off and laugh at it from a distance. We could look at Sam Hyde and laugh at him from a distance, or Ben Shapiro or Jordan Peterson, and laugh at it from a bit of a distance. Because, I mean, our brains are a little bit together. I mean, we're past that point of the, uh, the cortex being fully developed in our brains. We could think through decision-making, right? By 21, your cortex is fully developed, and then your decisions actually kind of have full, uh, full thought behind it, or rather the most full thought it, they'll have. I disagree with that a little bit, but you can keep going. I just think you that you can be questioning your political beliefs well into your 20s. That's all. And, no, and I'm not saying I that. was afraid I'm not, I'm for a moment about, I would abandon the left. I'm, I'm talking about the basics of decision-making. Decision-making okay, okay. in the sense, what I mean by the, the, the frontal cortex is, is, is um, responsible for foresight and decision-making. So seeing the ramifications of a, of a decision cause and effect, right? So if I subscribe to this belief and do this because of that, something will happen, or this leads to that. I'm, I'm, just ta- I'm not talking about ideology. I'm just talking about basic cause and effect. So by the time you're 21, your understanding of cause and effect, causality, of everything involved with decision-making and foresight okay. is there. So we're at that point uh, psychologically where we we're at least somewhat, we have resilience to stupid bullshit. Or at least we're lucky enough that we've gone through experiences that have led us to be resilient to stupid bullshit where kids who are vulnerable, insecure, and uh, emotionally, uh, whether it be um, hormonally, at those... uh, Not grounded yet. Yeah, at those imperative... 15, 16-year-old years where everything's novel and everything's they extreme. They haven't had the immunization of yeah. like experience to harden them. They don't have it. Yeah, right. they don't have the immune system well, built up to bullshit. I, I mean, I think it's interesting you, you say we're immune to, to bullshit because it's, it's not that we're immune to bullshit. I mean, if you, if you were talking about something you disagreed with, you would say that they're stubborn and they would say the same thing about you. You're basically saying that it's, it's, it's harder for us to change our beliefs. It's harder for us to accept... Things that are outside of what we've experienced so far now no. than I, it was then. What I, I mean is the emotional. No, I'm talking. Oh, no, about, I'm, I'm talking about the the difference in emotional um, susceptibility. So yeah, okay. so yeah, yeah, yeah. What no, fascists, what what, yeah. what right wingers use is emotional susceptibility and vulnerability okay. as um as a foundation to build upon. So by the veer, by the mere virtue of having overcome that angsty teenage strife and that. Uh, those those flashes of masculine insecurity and anxiety through the teenage years, we have enough basic resilience and understanding of ourselves and the world around us to not fall to the traps of uh, people like Peterson who lay explicit traps for us to fall into and make bad decisions and subscribe to bad ideas. Um, But a kid, what are you saying? I mean, but a lot of that is down to who you're surrounded by. Yes. 
Like, like I mean, you're you're right in the sense that given the right support system, we'll stay away from things that are dangerous. We'll stay away from things that are you know trying to lure us in. But somebody who's left on their own, somebody who feels completely isolated, yeah, they'll still subscribe to it even after twenty one. Yeah. When I said us, I was literally just I was referring to the circle. Oh, the three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, that makes sense. You can. Yeah. yeah obviously. Well, I mean, I don't, I'm just saying when the few months where I was really into Jordan Peterson and I spent $20 on his book and listened to a lot of his videos, um, I, you would think that I would immediately see through his entire project. And I, I, I have to say, I did not holistically see through his entire project. I knew at the time that he was, he kind of had a right wing ish agenda. And I'm like, okay, well, I like a lot of his opinions, but I know that he's not taking everyone to the right conclusion. But I still bought into him and took him seriously. You bought into the things that you thought would be of service to you. But I also took him seriously, and I kind of put him on a pedestal. I did during those months. I'm like, holy shit, I wish more people were saying this. But I don't think that was appropriate, because he's not saying anything how, bad. How quickly did you turn around from that opinion? What made you reverse that that decision-making process um a few really i had a turning point conversation at a party in late april and like and that's and and a gentleman was like you got to understand the red herring and there was red herring and then like uh he referred me to this podcast called chapa trap house and then i heard them talk about peterson and then i heard their other videos talking about left-wing politics in a way that wasn't wound up in this kind of pseudo-academic intersectionality language. And I, I, to be honest, at Binghamton, that is the only left-wing politics you hear. It is like, it is purely like the cultural, rhetorical milieu of, of identity politics. And, 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 and like, I had learned about Marxism, but there was no materialistic conversation there. And this podcast, and then this podcast also kind of just reminded me of like, oh, there was the whole Bernie Sanders thing. Like, and then they were taking down Peterson and it, it kind of woke me up a little bit. And then, I don't know, I was talking to Matt, I was talking to you, I, was, I joined DSA and it kind of crumbled my, yeah. my respect of Jordan Peterson. First it went into like, oh, I still like his ideas, but I know he's a right winger. To now I just think he's a, he's a nut job. And I can't believe I thought he wasn't in a show. So then, so then it kind of, I mean, I guess it, it, it's, and that, that's exactly what we were just talking about. Or what I, I think I was trying to say before was that you were, you were, like Matt was saying, like slowly kind of being lured in because you were feeling alienated from society. And then you actually had a connection with somebody. That He's, yeah, he spoke, Matt hit it on the nail. Yeah, he spoke to me like, that. like if you are emotionally vulnerable, you don't have a girlfriend, you're, you're, you're at, you're at a period, and my, like, my friendships, like, were, my friend group, in a larger sense beyond me, was kind of dissipating, right? And sure. there was, like, two of my best friends at school got into a riff and weren't talking to each other. And, like, it just, it was, it was, like, refreshing to hear it. And it was this weird way of matching, like, this entitlement for, like, an aggrieved white male, like myself, <laughs> with this, like, political worldview or semi-political worldview yeah and if you if you're not if you're in a if you're not that mature if you're not that emotionally hardened it will be effective well that's a big part of the anger sorry 
No, no, you, yeah, that's a big part of the anger I feel like in the draw of Peterson and of people like that, right? Is 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 if you are and as you said, like an aggrieved white male. The funny thing is that being on the receiving end of that kind of identity politics tirade, right? By being by being antagonized by the people of color or people or, or or gay or whoever it is who are making that kind of assault, like like from that position, and and by by which like, I don't think is with that. I think that was very particular to Binghamton, by the way. I don't sure. think that's everywhere. Well, yeah, no, I just want to say. Well, yeah, but I yeah. do. I mean, I see it on you see it on the internet all the time. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, the, I, the most toxic people are elevated. To and and, and I think yeah. it's a Gen Z thing too. I think that the people who are younger than us probably right people in college right now probably are still in that kind of kind of you call it like on media. the left too. You mean. Yeah. Right. And, right. And, and I agree absolutely. But 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 when you're when you've like when you've been successfully like riled up by all that. That means that you're just buying into the identity politics bullshit just as much as they are. That you're just as angry about who you are and where you are and the way that they're making you feel about it as they are angry as about where they are and who they are and where they, what, you know, how they're ma- you're making, you're theoretically making them feel about it. You know what I mean? So it's like... <sighs> yeah. It, I don't know. It, do you know what I'm trying to yes, get? Yes, I, I do, I do, I yeah. do. I think it's very complicated. I think okay. that... There are some people at Binghamton um, who come from backgrounds of material privilege. Long Island suburbs, Westchester County suburbs, North Jersey. And for them, identity politics at a fundamental level is about that carousel of stimulation. Like there's nothing else going on and here's, here's something to rile me up and what else is there out there. And a little bit above that in seriousness and context is like, there's no, there's not much of an alternative vision of politics. Like, there's not really that many socialists out there. Sure. Just at the end of the day, like people, people who have like identified capitalism as a problem and are really into like trade unions and stuff. Um, ever since the '80s, '90s, uh, even earlier, maybe like politics has been this kind of personal identity thing. I go vegan. I, I change my consumption habits, and, and, and this like uh, the identity politics is a is an outgrowth of that, or it comes hand in hand with that. But then, what I kind of forget, and I shouldn't, but is really important to remember, is that like, if you come from a barrios, if you come from a, a hood, um, your life is gonna be different, and you will feel, like there will be a huge cultural divide that cannot be transcended with just like this Colorblinded liberalism. We only treat each other the same. No, right? you're you're, abso- yeah. you're absolutely right. And and, and I'll, just yeah, to sure, 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 really quick, sure, all I'm saying is like, they're like, I think if if like identity identity politics and really clinging to your ethnic background makes a shit ton of sense if you come from that background, if you come from if you come from an area that's predominantly minority and just it's a huge cultural divide. And like you and your family has suffered oppression, largely materially, a material oppression, class oppression, and injustice. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No. I, I mean, I don't know if it's a necessarily a great thing to cling to your ethnicity in such a tight way, but that's that's not something I have a strong opinion on. I mean, I don't. I've never. I've never really cared one way or the other what people think about them, themselves in that respect. I don't know if that's the wrong thing to say. Um, they care about other people because of that, and that's where you have. Yeah, exactly, and 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 I think that, and I think that you know, like 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 buying into that that 
identity politics thing as somebody who's like trying to get into like like going in becoming an alt writer or becoming like somebody who is like a white supremacist or whatever like that a lot of that comes from the same place as their anger as an aggrieved you know individual but 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 it, it's a reactionary thing there's different you, kinds of angers and different sources i think it's i think it's really varied no i think it's the same i, I do i think it's the same anger i think that it's i think that it, it's definitely reactionary um it's it's definitely it's definitely it, the question is that it's a chickenary argument who started it right and and the the answer to that is always for people to say okay it's 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 mine uh, is this a bad topic no no yeah. you can flesh it out like it's a, it's a chickenary argument the answer to that for people is always that okay so the the white man the anglo-saxon the caucasian has uh started the whole process of dehumanizing people of color and women, minority, et cetera. And I can totally buy into that. I agree. Okay, fine. That's the end of the argument there, right? But through the through the combination of like colonialism and slavery. Right, right. exactly. And but the, the thing is is that people get stuck on the the white man has done this. It's not the tactics and the system that they're going to address. It's right. the actual, oh, precisely. It's yeah. the actual the actual like 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 surface level, you know, identification of, of you're the, right. you're the, the loudest postmodern voices are purely just attacking whiteness conceptually yeah. and masculinity conceptually. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Same yeah. with the gender issue. But but there's but then when you have someone like Bernie Sanders whose policies would like disproportionately benefit people of color, just uh, dramatically, blatantly, like then it's like oh well you know he's he's he is white. So therefore, you know, he can't solve the problems. And it's like the only path, the only structural path to some of these people literally becomes the optics of representation. Yes. Which is so frustrating. Yes. Right. And, 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 and that happens in, office, in offices too. Right. Work and stuff. Well, the interest, and the interest, and, and then the thing is that it happens the exact same way on the other side, where it's somebody who looks at Bernie Sanders and says, they're going to, they're going to use that same anger and attack his policies because they're against the, 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 because they're they're against the rhetoric that is being spouted by the person who's playing into their emotions, in the same way that somebody like um, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. Let's skip that. that bit. So, okay. I'm trying. I'm sorry. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to, to talk to, to 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 make a connection between. I because you're saying. Mm. Sorry guys. Never mind. Um, so you, you started with saying. Yeah. The the. That a certain kind of anger is the same as a different kind of anger. You you were drawing a parallel there. Is that the root? Of, is that the root you would issue? Yeah, that I think I think that that because you guys were I talk, you guys keep talking about how this Gen Z generation is is being sort of. Um, well, now we're on the left side of it. Now we're on people who are like. You know, angry at whites and mad men. But that's millennials. Right. That's, yeah, that's, that, yeah, that's millennials. Absolutely. And I'm saying, and if you're saying that Gen Z is this conservative reaction to that, well, then we can just take that argument and extrapolate it out to much simpler terms, which is just the general political spe spectrum, which is that the people, if be they Gen Z, be they not Gen Z, who are being drawn into this debate over identity politics have the same source of anger as the people who are angry and being buying into yeah. identity politics it's collateral anger it's collateral yes. anger yes yes it's it's it, it, it's it's leftover from years and years of oppression and, and division by a system that has very little to do with race yeah. but well, okay. at the largest levels at, at the highest levels this is where i i get back to it the sources of the anger should be differentiated because like people in bad faith 
usually rich people with some grounding in corporate academic media institutions use identity politics as a bad faith way to make that like the centerpiece of liberal politics in general and, ju and conceptions of social justice. And, you know, I could talk about that endlessly. That could be another episode, like postmodern literature in conjunction with like the images we see on TV and marketing and everything. Sure. But right. That, but that is a calculated thing. That is a calculated thing in the cultural zeitgeist and the academic zeitgeist and uh, academic literature and left-wing theory. Yeah. That, that comes from a very tiny segment of the population and still a very tiny segment of the minority population. Most people of color who I've met through jobs and some of my, like, organizing work, um... Like, and who do not come from rich backgrounds and do not come from a background where their parents went to college and they assume they're going to college and they, they have this sense of entitlement towards, like, a white middle-class job. Uh, well, a middle-class job, right? Sure. Because now middle-class, now that there is kind of the more multicultural middle-class. But the working, most working-class minorities, bottom line, do not do identity politics in bad faith. And very often aren't even angry about identity politics. In my perspective, I have seen more extreme identity politics from white girls from Calhoun High School yes. than where I work, where I'm now the only, at, at, I work at Chick Shack, everyone, come visit me on the Upper East Side. I am the only white, I'm the only white guy there, and there is no conception of like, like the same toxic thing at Binghamton. Like nobody cares, nobody cares. Everyone can notice that I'm white, but no one gives a shit. No, yeah. Like, at least in that kind of, like, toxic political milieu. Maybe maybe a little bit of, like, oh, like, what's he doing here? Where is he from? Maybe they, maybe they think I, uh, I come from more money, and they'd be right to think that, right? But there is anger there, and a lot of people of color in East New York, Flatbush, low-income areas don't vote. And don't rise up the ladder and don't go to college. And like, there's there's social marginalization. And there's like, I don't know if there's enough frustration there. You know what I mean? Like, that is where people have a right to be angry. And maybe they have a right to be angry at white people, but they certainly have a right to be angry about the system. Yep. Right? But then what I, right, thank you, thank you. But again, it all ties back into like, it's a material thing, it's an economic thing. At heart, like upper middle class people of color, like uh, do not do identity politics in in that in the same way. They're not angry that the system's not treating them fairly. I found. I, See, found. I, I don't know. I've, I I I also work at a place where I'm the only white guy in the room. And you, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Well, I mean, there are other white guys in the building, but literally in my okay. room. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so you work at you have a very diverse workplace, yeah. right? Um, and fuck off. Go diversity. <laughs> Why did I say that? Cut that out, please. What the fuck off? Yeah, he just cheered diversity, and I told him to fuck off. No, because he he was being patronizing. Yeah, I thought. Oh, well, I was being facetious. Yeah. So um, and I don't really, know. it's it's a it's a it's a fuck you to him. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. And, and and I I don't know I have you're right I've never actually felt like I was being in some way thought looked down upon or thought badly of because I was white or because I was uh, upper class. The, the closest that's come is somebody who was also white, happens to be Israeli, said to me, um, 
I don't even want to tell you what I did when I started here, when I started in this industry, because he was jealous of the fact that I have a cushy job at, you know, this age. Which, which is, is not, which is pretty sober overall. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, got yeah, nothing, yeah that's, and that's got nothing to do with my race. That has everything to do with the fact that I just got lucky. Um, and there is a lot of white fragility out there. You know, there there are people who like are way too sensitive. And that's to this on the you know yeah, on the white guy end. Well, white that's, that's the thing. Is I yeah. think that's where maybe some of these feelings are coming from for me, and I think for a lot of people is like there is still this sense that we are under attack. And I'm not saying that it's valid at all. I'm saying that it's emotional. I'm who, saying who? that it's we as in white guys. No, it's, it, it, no. I, this is where I have to completely say sure. It's, it's so, because uh, for a person of color, it's not something that's um, hallucinatory. It's not a delusion. It's not something that's a vague yeah. feeling. That's a, it's, a, it's really just an abstract reaction to a, YouTube, a set of YouTube videos or a, a small interest group, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you're living in New York as a person of color... Um, not from any sort of special background, your way of life is one in which, point blank, the system not only does not care about you, is out to disenfranchise you, is out to gerrymander you f from your voting rights, from your rights to uh, climb up the ladder, to not be killed by police, they want to get you in. They want to get you a college education, but not guarantee you a job or an income. Not even that. Well, no, no. That the liberal, the liberal political system does of New York. want to do that. Of New York, yes. Okay, even barely, that. barely, because it's still expensive. And then, if we think even yeah. throughout the country even more, then then you're definitely getting to that police killing kind of thing, and you're getting into how we round these people up and put them into the privatized jails, and how do we, you know, that's all it is, and and you're talking about the people living in war on drugs. Totally racialized, right? If we're talking Flatbush, we're talking East New York, and you're talking about them not voting, they don't see the point in voting or following politics. They don't. They're not very political because right. they've literally they've never had actual. They've never been. Um, they've never tr had true equal voting rights never as it was. They never had any state. Never so there, there are communities that go back generations where they have always been taught. Where grandparents were taught as kids that they were second-class citizens, and that is completely uh, was completely correct in their social situations, and that extends all the way to today, where it's still exactly the same. And there are people who are dead set out to ensure that that continues. So, for that to have that fear, or to have that sort of um, sense of community that we have to rely upon each other to survive, we got to rely upon uh, the people in our community, the people on our block, the people in our church, or wherever those community places are. Um, I mean, that's how you get into gang shit, right? If you're, if you're vulnerable, it's a cult mentality. If you're in, into, into the, uh, if you're in that vulnerable state and, and you don't have much money and you don't know how you're gonna cover expenses and there's all sorts of shit happening where you live and the infrastructure's bad and the schooling's shit and you have no way of going up because the schools are terrible and there's fighting in the schools and the books are from the 80s and the teachers don't give a fuck because they're worried about- Any good people in the schools aren't funded properly. Not at all. Then. Their lives from top to bottom have, would, would, would by our standards, not be meritable. It would just, it would be, it would be right. vacuous. It, it would be a complete joke. It would be acceptable to all, all of our parents, all six of Acceptable parents. is like too high of a right, word. Right, it would be right, like right. beyond subpar. It would be shocking 
And I mean, fuck, they're, they're murdering people in Flint, right? With tainted water that they knew was tainted. It's, 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 a, it's a low key genocide. And, and, and the government has done nothing, and Obama did nothing, and they don't give a fuck. So and it's worse outside New York. So, sure. yeah. so you have this entire country that will openly have a genocide in plain sight and will use force and military and police tactics to keep minorities underground and will keep their infrastructure and their schools and their jobs and opportunities and the prisons packed with black people and it will just ruin their whole lives and make their lives pointless. That fear and anger and that need for a sense of community is so, so much different than feeling horny and not being able to fuck when you're 14 years old, white kid in a fucking suburb, and feeling disenfranchised because you saw a black person on Facebook say, the, the white establishment is fucking us, right? So the, the, fear, the fear from the white person is legitimate in the very sense that it is right as a white person to be frustrated that certain minority groups point fingers at a race because the white kid on Reddit didn't do shit. He literally just was born and existed and is trying to just live. Precisely. But he's being told that he fucked the world somehow. And he's like, what the fuck? I literally am just coming into my conscious being. How could I have possibly fucked the whole world yet? Why should I pay reparations? Why should I apologize for doing something I never did? Right? And they may have been on the, the track of, of being a Democrat or, or, or doing the right thing at a certain point, but now they're being screamed at in public, and now they're being shadowed down uh, um, in public squares at, at universities, right? So, so that's just infuriating and frustrating, and that's where that anger comes from, and that's where Peterson and Shapiro leech, and that's where they get their followers, and Yiannopoulos too, when he did his check. Um, but that kind of fear is just a totally different kind. It's not inst institutional, it's not systematic. It's, it, I say hallucinatory in the sense that minority groups who use identity politics to scapegoat random, just the whole I, concept of whiteness, whatever that even means. Um, that's Which is the, in you, the corporate world and universities. It's, 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 a, it's a very tiny slice of the actual people of color in America. Yeah, and that too. And most, most, most people of color in corporate jobs and universities aren't even that radical. It's, it, we're talking about a very vocal, very vocal, but, but very tiny slice of people. Exactly. Who are, who are actually just toxic. Because most people yeah. would never actually point fingers in that way. Absolutely not. So, in that sense, it's very hallucinatory. They're poisoning it for all of us. But, I mean, they're loud, and they're amplified by the media, which wants to stoke division. Because the more division that's stirred up, the less progress will ever be made. Right. And that's what it's all about. Uh, subscribing to identity politics is just taking the side of, I'm going to lose, just for, just for shits and giggles, and I'm just going to... You know what it's like? It's turning Maury, it's turning America into Maury a little bit. You know, I mean, that's, it's, it's just chaos. Uh, I'm thinking about Do the Right Thing, Spike Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, um, why Mookie throw... Do you see Do the Right Thing? It's like, why, why is Mookie throw the garbage can? And Spike Lee... Yes. And Spike Lee. Oh, I thought it was to save Sal. No, no. Well, I mean, kind of, but like. Spike Lee does interviews, and people ask him all the time, why does Mookie throw the garbage can? And his response is the same, it's always the same. He says, never, ever, ever has a black person asked me, why does Mookie throw the garbage can? It's never happened to him. Because it would never happen. You know, no, it's just so, it's, it's obvious. It's the, it's the same reason that, it's the same thing reporters used to say in the, in the 60s and the, in the 90s with the rioting in LA and Detroit and all that. They used to say, 
well, why would they trash their own sidewalks? Why would they loot their own stores? Well, because when you can't fight the institution, you just wind up fighting each other. You just wind up turning on yourself because you don't know what else to do with that anger yes. and that frustration. Um, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, maybe that's a little oversimplification, but I know what you mean. But just to go back to your point, I, I don't want to dismiss it entirely, entirely, because, like, when I, went, when I was in that Jordan Peterson phase, and I don't... No, I would never say, oh, I'm angry at people of color and women. No. No, I was no, I, I was angry at right, right. yeah. but like feeling feeling tension I think is a little bit understandable if you just kind of like I don't know if it's just like kind of fresh off the plates you know like I felt it from uh, people at Binghamton who were mostly white who just ostracized me because I wasn't kind of just a politically correct sheep yeah and I was. An opinionated person on campus, an can opinionated left wing. Can I be honest with yeah, you? Yeah. Like, I think that they ostracized you because you were coming from a place where you probably were still learning some of the things that Matt was just describing. Possibly, yeah. Like, like I, because I, I was going to ask you guys, like, we all grew up in the same town. I mean, we had different experiences growing up, right? But we all grew up in the same town. We went to the same high school. Which is we pretty through, white overall. Yeah, There's some Hispanic Americans. 96% white Americans, 96% white. Really? So, yeah. so 90, Hispanic American there, is within the four percent? Yeah, there was there was. Yeah, could you name how many minorities could you name from our school that you were friends with? Oh, More than five for sure. Bullshit. No way. Jocelyn Benitez. Yeah. Akisha Sharif, Alani Garcia, and just an on-tour Alani Garcia, yeah, Alicia Lizette. But, but how many? No, there's more. How, how many? I think it's it's ninety percent, ninety six percent white, inclusive yeah. of I'm um, Hispanic, because sometimes they do that. They fine, put Hispanic fine, in their great. White. The point is, yeah. the point is, culture. The, so. Yeah, the point. The point is, Daniel Maldonado literally is yes. a big ass. Yeah, the, the, well, the Puerto Ricans the, are the next Jews. The point is, is that <laughs> the point is that culturally speaking, our town is as white as they come. Oh, our town is basically yes, yeah. yeah and Long Island is high, highly one hundred percent. You have to go to be that white as Alabama. Yeah. So the the only difference in the only difference in our town in the Midwest is that people are less openly racist. Belmore was more more diverse than Merrick. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. Right, I know. But, but Merrick is the worst of the worst. Wait, but 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 and and right next door we got Freeport, which right. is literally the opposite. It's hundred percent. By the way, uh, um, oh, what was their name? Flavor Flav and Public Enemy are from the town next to us. Right, and, and guess Roosevelt, and, Roosevelt. and guess who's from our town? Oh, we have Jesse a couple. Lacey. Jesse Lacey. Please well, love the town tech. The band Yeah. We also have Lindsay Lohan. Uh, yep. yep. Ben and Jerry. Ben and Jerry. Yeah. And the murderer. Anyway, my point being, my. <laughs> I forgot. My point being, when you talk about getting interested in Jordan Peterson, when you talk about being ostracized at Binghamton, I'm actually interested in knowing where this came from for you too, Matt. Like, we grew up in the same town, and yet I have these feelings of Austri of of. of of alienation that you guys don't seem to share, or at least that you've worked oh, through. Oh, oh, Wait, what are you referring? Well, that's what. Let, let, let me. Now we're getting yeah. To the actual we were yeah. Exactly. Right. Topic today. Well, anyway, so 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 so, so my, my my point is is that like, we grew up in a super white town. Yes. And I still feel that tension. I still feel the fact that I'm white. I'm super aware of that in my everyday life, and that's probably why I can. While in marriage. No, no, okay. no. In the world. Well, I don't, I don't, that's not the kind of tension I feel. Well, or let me, least felt. Well, just get, well, well, give, give me a second. Let me get through. Yeah. So my, my point is, is that, like, like I can s empathize, I guess. I don't really know what the right word is. I, I, can, I, can, I look at that Nazi asshole, yeah. and I, I had that thought. I thought his anger is my anger. Yeah. 
I'm not saying that I not the racist not the racism part of it. Not the racism okay, part yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the racism part of it, guys. Right, hold hold on. Stay with me. Stay with me. I'm talking to you, you know you know how I'm talking about how the how the anger of the minorities and of his are very similar. I'm trying to my the reason I feel that way I think is because I'm trying to have a foot in both worlds. I'm trying to have a foot in the world that says I feel anger and I'm white because I'm buying into this identity politics bullshit, so part of me has to identify with his bullshit. But I'm liberal, so I, I, I can't enter into his political sphere. Do you guys know what I mean? I think you are over-personalizing it. No, you're... you're and, and that is kind of, like, the source of maybe the toxicity you feel and the justification of even kind of relating to the alt-right people. Sure. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like I... I don't want... I mean, maybe I, I did really briefly when you're first... Yeah. No, 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 no. That was less about, like, me feeling white when walking around. That was more... The Jordan Peterson... That was more really a gender reaction. That was a gender reaction, which is similar. It was more about women. Cuckoldry. Same idea. But yeah. the, the race Very stuff similar. for me was really 2014 and 15 with the right, debate but, team. But that's what I'm saying is that you probably had such a fucking hard time, not because you were intentionally bigoted or because you actually were, like, saying stupid shit. No, I was genuinely ostracized in the shittiest of ways. You think when I was, was in a, when I was in a phase fault? When I was in a phase where I was, I, like, hyper-progressive. I think I'm I thought yeah. we were so well, what, what did you think we were talking about? I thought we were talking more... Nihilism? Being ostracized, I thought we were talking yeah. more... Um, I mean, if we're talking high school, I feel like I could... I relate more to what you're talking about gender-wise... I don't relate to the racial um, tension. Um, I think that's just because I've always had um, healthy exposure to diversity just because of where my dad has worked and with the people. So I, I was always exposed to people of different backgrounds. I mean, even preschool. My preschool was very diverse. It was in Queens. I think that's so, a huge part of it. I mean, yeah. So I mean, yeah. my first friends were Indian and black. That's... Right? Yeah, that, so that makes all the difference. I actually felt weirder a lot of times in Merrick feeling like there's, like, this weird... Like, when I would leave Queens or hang around here, coming into Merrick, it, was, it, it felt like this weird sanitized bubble. And even though I couldn't verbalize it, I knew that nothing that happens here is the same as what goes on in the real world, where all sorts of people. God, Merrick is such a bubble. But that, I, I never got out of that bubble. So you, so, so, you're, now I'm starting to, right. so, yeah, 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 so now you got what it. what happens is, is that you leave the bubble and there's this whole world and, and, and there's just that um, social anxiety and it can easily manifest into this, well, I'm, I'm now, I now feel different. Yeah. In some regard. Yeah. And there's no healthy, there really is no healthy way to um, verbalize it without sounding horrible. Yes, exactly. And maybe this is not the place to do that. No, but we, we just kind of got into the whole political thing. And this is why I, I was trying to be honest about how I'm feeling politically, which is that I have these emotional reactions to these things that I can't, I can't put into an institutional and, and I, I didn't box. know that entirely. Yeah. But the only healthy way to, to, yeah. to work through shit like that is to continue to expose yourself to people of different backgrounds and make friends and talk to people because people are people. You know, sure. People are people. Um, and once you get over these um, these imaginary divides and borders, which, I mean, they aren't imaginary, you're right, but they're yeah. instilled. They're instilled and you, they're, you're told every day that they exist. Yeah. And the minute you break through it 
and it's all bullshit. And once it really, it's one thing to tell yourself over and over it's bullshit, and to know it's bullshit, but then to truly um, experience it being bullshit, then it's like, that is gone, right? Sure. Yeah, you have to do that. I don't think that's all, that could be all of it, because, like, I don't know, I think you're more of an analytic, like, you, you're an intellectual person, you, you think about things critically, analytically. I don't think, like, the exposure alone will do it. I think you need to kind of, I don't know, I think you need to, like, just kind of internalize that you're, racial tension in America wasn't created by you. It's not no, personal. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and the people, if, if there are, if you, if you have come and you might continue to come across people who are, who are irrationally upset with you, those people do not, literally do not matter that much. They They're a minority. Anyone besides them. No, they really, they, they really don't. And I think the Democratic Party and the media builds them up to be louder and more influential than they actually are in the most horrible bad faith way, right? Because, and we, that, we could, I brought that up. We well, I want to actually, because I think, Matt, I think before I went off on my tangent that made this a little too personal. Sorry about that. No, um, no, you did nothing. I think you were trying to move into the actual tr- discussion of some kind, but I think it's still going to be relevant. Do you well, know, we got to go into the gender were, thing yeah, now. Do you know where you were going? I don't know. I didn't know. If, I, I was. I didn't know if we were about to. I was going to play off discussion points. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Here. Sure. Sure. But if there had been a Jordan Peterson in 2013, without my experience and education and understanding of the world now, I would have latched on that. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. What? What? What changed? What? What could you have told somebody then? What could you have told yourself then to stop that? Well, that's the good question. A lot of it. I gotta get water. You okay. have to. Uh, to stop that. Yeah. It's tough. You have to stop what? Listening to it? To stop the radicalization. Well, obviously you have to, but how do you stop it? Oh, okay, that was our point. Yeah. Oh, our point, like... I thought it was... I thought it was like a vaguer letter to Gen Z. I didn't think we had, like, a real plan. We haven't really had a letter to them. We just kind of abstractly talked about them behind their backs. Well, you are Gen Z, Matt. Come on. Well, I am in the room. By the books. Sorry, Matt. Well, actually, the... I'm looking... I'm still looking... I still have the fucking... Uh, graph open. It has an asterisk next to Gen Z, and it says undefined. So well, the millennial part that could be adjusted because it is all sociological. Push. They could always change. Well, that. millennials were now twenty years outside of what we call the end of the millennial range, right? Yes. And so we're still in the middle of the Gen Z range, sort of edging out towards some whatever's going to be next. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the final frontier. Final frontier. Yeah. Um, what comes after Z? I guess they're anticipating the end of the world. Yeah, it's what I'm thinking. Why would they call it that? It's Why a really terrible they're name. They're gonna kill everyone. Gen Z's the last one. Let's be real. Uh, so like, we had a good question. Let's start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have to go back to 2013 and say something about that. In my head. Uh, it's tough because that dealing with someone who goes down the Jordan Peterson uh, rabbit hole at a young age, at 16, 15 is doing so for such emotional reasons that they are validating because that's something that people are good at it's what separates us from the animals is that animals have emotional impulses and they act on them mm. people have emotional impulses they act on them and then they rationalize them after because that's that's the real difference and that's why we can create patterns of behavior 
It's why we can express how we're feeling. It's how we can express why we're feeling and how we act. So at that early age where you're coming into your thinking and you're coming into your beliefs, and for someone who is susceptible to really cult like thinking, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is by saying that in 2013 I would have become an alt writer, I would have become a Jordan Peterson person. I'm not saying that I, my beliefs were in any way racist or bigoted or yeah. in that same framework. I think I think we should all just use that as a disclaimer for this episode. I'm put that in the beginning. Yeah. What, what, I, what I mean by that is that I was incredibly emotionally vulnerable, yeah. and whoever came forward with the answer, I would have just snatched up and I would have run with it. And a lot of what Peterson is, is about that self-help rhetoric, which is why he wrote The Twelve Steps for Life, which is just so completely, like, you couldn't have been more on the nose with it. Like, here's The Twelve Steps for Life. If you're confused about what you're supposed to be doing, just read my book. Yeah. Um, but especially in 2013, where his rhetoric has to do with masculinity, and it has to do with um, being what this male archetype is supposed to be successful sexually and emotionally and professionally if you would have found me at 16 it would have been so easy it would have been like that so what can you possibly say to someone who's that emotionally vulnerable and the first thing you just say is to take take ownership of your life which I admit we've had this discussion you take ownership of your life first and it, it sounds like more of the self-help bullshit but by how does that tr- how does that connect to the politics though uh, you can take your time to get to it because I don't are bullshit. the politics are the is just the rationalization of the emotional subscription to bad ideas. For young people, 100%. You really think a fucking 15-year-old playing, playing Fortnite cares about tax brackets? Come on. No, 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 no. Okay, okay, not really, no. But how... There, there is a little bit of... Because there's an absence of left materialism just a little bit i mean I'm, I'm speaking an academic language but a little bit of like that class warfare and the rich suck and oh labor is exploitative if you don't have any of that um how are you going to uh if you hear any of these right-wing guys drop a hint of like economic discourse people will think oh yeah this is how the world works wow that's so smart so so it's possible that without like the political front in this Maybe if you told 2013, take ownership of your life, this is all bullshit, you still could have internalized a little bit of the anti-SJW stuff, the well, anti-Marxism I stuff. That's what I'm starting to get into, but it's like take control of your life. Because all of the anti-SJW, like why, why does Ben Shapiro tweet about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez seven times a day and then at the end of the day say he doesn't care about her? I why, saw that meme, that was why, so funny. Why does Steven Crowder... And Jordan, and Jordan Peterson, and Ben Shapiro. And Stefan Molyneux. Why do they rage with hatred about trans people? And Because of cuckoldry. No. no. Partially. Partially. Why do, they, no. why do they dog whistle racism, homophobia, bigotry against people who are in lesser societal places? Because they hate themselves. Because they hate themselves. Because they're filled with rage. Because Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez is fucking hot. Awesome. She's hot. She's smart. She has this... She got to Congress at yeah. 20 fucking nine. B- b- break it down. Right? Break it down. Break it down. Ben Shapiro is this wimpy, twerpy little guy 
who has nothing to him, sounds like a weasel, is a weasel, so he attacks people who are less than him. He doesn't care about science. Shapiro caring about science. He doesn't read science. That's why he just. These guys reject science. global warming. They don't care about right. science, so they don't care about. They don't. They, 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 they're not trying to protect anybody by bringing up trans bathroom rights. They want to attack people. It's bullying. It's bullying in the in the, in the grade school, basic children sense of the word. That's all it is. It's 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 people who feel down on themselves who are recruiting kids who were like them um, when they were at that age and just manufacturing hate speech as a way to build themselves up. And, that, and that's where that begins. It's why Precisely. When, you, when you subscribe to Peterson, um, especially the way he brings up masculinity, you don't have to work for your masculinity anymore because Peterson, as long as you agree with Peterson, you're on the right masculine track in this sort of pseudo-hypothetical, pseudo-psychological way. Like, oh, if I subscribe to masculine ideas, I'm more masculine. I don't have to work to be a masculine person. I don't have to work towards being right. more Right. Buying that book is, is almost like actually, it's, it substitutes actually going to the gym and yes. stuff. It's like, that's okay, it's that's the road. That's the road to salvation. So when I say, t while my opening statement to 2013 would be take control of your life or take ownership of your life, the follow-up is, then do something about it. Then you take action. Then you find the problem areas that you don't like about yourself, and you address them. So that way, you never internalize these 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 uh, these negative feelings about right. yourself. You never internalize that you're a victim and then bully others. Yes, and that's right. all it is. That's what the alt-right is built on. Okay, well that's that is like the essence of it. But I I don't know if you can just say that and completely ignore all the intellectual shit around it. Yeah, yes, you can. Can. yes, you can. Yes, yeah. you can. Because Be we're talking about Gen Z right now. We're talking about kids who play Fortnite and dream about having their first kids. They do not care about tax tax breaks. They don't care about. Then how do we stop it? How do we I stop what? Oh, we oh we we that's we what the, the, the left core. like yeah. I, I, and and that that is a political mission. Tell people to take ownership of their lives. <laughs> It's, no, it's no, kind no, of, because it's people, kind of, no, it's, no, 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 because people, people process this as actual politics, like, and, and I, and I know you're who, right, and I know who, it's, it's, a, it's tricky, I know it's tricky, but you, you were saying people buy into it because of this very baseline emotional vulnerability and victimhood and immaturity, and it is talked about in the media as right-wing politics. And it's a fucking, it, if it fucking leads to people voting Republican, then shutting it down becomes a political act. And I completely agree with you, okay. but that's a political thing. And, and like, then you need, to, you need to weave this take ownership your of your life thing into a more comprehensive left-wing worldview. You have to, because it's, because it's a political thing now. I, I think that you're, I think that you're, Maybe I'm missing your point here, but I think when you say you have to weave it into a more comprehensive uh, left-wing worldview, um, you're looking at it from the wrong end of the telescope. Like, Matt's saying, like, it starts with a shift in your emotional core, and you're saying, no, it starts with a change in the, 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 the language. The political discourse. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which well, I, are, we ta are we talking about macro? Are we talking about... I mean, yes, this is, in theory, a letter to our 2013 selves. Yeah. But are we... But are, are we also talking about how we deal with this as a national problem? Because it is one. 
Well, sure, but I think right now we were, we were we at, the question was... Like, are we talking about addressing it practically, or are we just talking about ideology? Like, what are we actually discussing? Both. Both. How are they separate? Because because what I'm discussing is how do we... What if it's like a high school senior who's like, this, this no, is... No, now you're, now you're making something specific... Um, out of a lot, you're, you're playing both sides of this argument here. You're, you're saying we have to make it a, a larger political issue, and then you're saying, but what about what, this one person? But what Matt's saying is that for that one person, the larger political issue does not fucking matter. It really doesn't. And you, because you read all this shit all the time. You listen to the chat when Trav has, you're reading fucking every political article, article and you're following Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, where the high school senior does not care. I think I, I think it's if you want to talk about emotional, it, it's got to be it's it's got to be cultural and artistic. Right. When when you talked about destroying the um, what, would, what did you say? Destroying the. Ostracized me because I wasn't kind of just a politically correct sheep. Yeah. And I was an opinionated person on campus, an can opinionated left. Can I be honest? With you? Yeah, yeah. I think that they ostracized you because you were coming from a place where you probably were still learning some of the things that Matt was just describing. Possibly. Yeah. Like, like, I, because I, I was going to ask you guys, like, we all grew up in the same town. I mean, we had different experiences growing up, right? But we all grew up in the same town. We went to the same high school. Which is we pretty through. white overall. Yeah. There's some Hispanic American. 96% white American. 96% white. Really? So, yeah. so Hispanic American there, is within the 4%? Yeah, there was... There it was, was barely. Can you name? Can you name, like, five? Yeah. Could you name... How many minorities could you name from our school that you were friends with? Oh, fuck. More than five, for sure. Bullshit. No way. Yeah. Beep. And just the non tour but, but how many? No, there's more. How, how many? I think it's it's ninety percent, ninety six percent white, inclusive yeah. of I'm Hispanic. Because sometimes they do that. They fine, put Hispanic fine, in their white. Great. The point is, yeah. the point is, they all have bigger houses than me. So yeah. The point. The point is. Massive house. Yeah, well, the Puerto Ricans are the next Jews. The point is, is that, wow. <laughs> the point is that culturally speaking, our town is as white as they come. Oh, very. Our town is basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah and Long Island is highly. Uh -huh. Next place you have to go to be that white is Alabama. Yeah. In like so certain the, the only difference schools. You know, the only difference in our town in the Midwest is that people are less openly racist. Bellmore was more more diverse than Merrick. Yeah, by, by how much? What does that even mean? Right, I know, but America's much. the worst of the worst. Wait, but, 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 and, and right next door we got Freeport, which right. is literally the opposite. It's oh, 100%. By the way, uh, um, oh, what was their name? Flavor Flav and Public Enemy are from the town next to us. Right, yeah, yeah. Roosevelt, Roosevelt. And guess who's from our town? Oh, Jesse Lacey. Jesse Lacey. Well, he's Levittown technically, but the band brand new formed. Yeah. We also have Lindsay Lohan. Uh, yep. Yeah, um, and Jerry, and the, the yeah, and the murderer. Anyway, my point being, Amy, my, something. What was her name? I forgot. My point being, when you talk about getting interested in Jordan Peterson, when you talk about being ostracized at Binghamton, I'm actually interested in knowing where this came from for you too, Matt. Like, we grew up in the same town, and yet I have these feelings of Austria of, 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 of alienation that you guys don't seem to share, or at least that you've worked. Oh, oh, oh! I went Wait, through the whole pro. I went through well, the process. What, let, let, let now we're getting into the actual what we were discussing. Yeah, exactly. Right? Our topic today. Uh, 40, so, 50 so, minutes in. So, so, so my, my, my point is is that, like, we grew up in a super white town. Yes. And I still feel that tension. I still feel the fact that I'm white. I'm super yeah. aware of that in my everyday life. And that's probably why I... While in Merrick? No, no, oh, okay. no. In the world. Well, I don't, I don't, that's not the kind of tension I feel. Well, or at least felt well, in high school. Well, look, give me a second. Let me get through. Yeah. So my, my point is, is that, like, like, I can... 
empathize, I guess. I don't really know what the right word is. I, I can I can I look at that Nazi asshole. Yeah. And I I had that thought. I thought his anger is my anger. I'm not saying that I not the racism not the racism part of it. Not the racism. Okay. Part okay. Of yeah. Yeah. It. Right. Not the racism part of it, guys. All right. Oh, right. Hold on. Stay with me. Stay with me. I'm talking. Right, I'm here. You know. You know how I'm talking about how the how the anger of the minorities and of his are very similar. I'm trying to. My, the reason I feel that way, I think, is because I'm trying to have a foot in both worlds. I'm trying to have a foot in the world that says, I feel anger and I'm white because I'm buying into this identity politics bullshit, so part of me has to identify with his bullshit. But I'm liberal, so I, I, I can't enter into his political sphere. Do you guys know what I mean? I think you are over-personalizing it. No, you're... And, and that is kind of like... The source of maybe the toxicity you feel and the justification of even kind of relating to the alt-right people? Sure. I, I don't know. I don't I don't feel like I, I don't walk... I mean, maybe I, I did really briefly when... You bought first, the fucking book, man. Yeah. No, 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 no. That was less about, like, me feeling white when walking around. That was more... The Jordan Peterson... That was more really a gender reaction. That was a gender reaction, which is similar. It was more about There's a similar... But it's a similar... But idea. it's similar... The, the no, it's very similar. The for me was really 2014 and 15 with right. 18. But that's what I'm saying is that you probably had such a fucking hard time, not because you were intentionally bigoted, or because you actually were, like, saying stupid shit. No, I was genuinely ostracized in the shittiest of ways. You think when, I was in a, when I was in a phase... Fall? When I was in a phase where I was I didn't like have a hyper progressive, that, that kind of phase I didn't have. I thought we were talking about something different. Well, what, what did you think we were talking about? Uh, I thought we were talking more. We Not were talking about ostracized, being ostracized. I thought we were talking yeah. more. Um, I mean, if we're talking high school, I feel like I could, I relate more to what you're talking about gender-wise. I don't relate to the racial um, tension. Um, I think that's just because I've always had. Um, healthy exposure to diversity just because of where my dad has worked and with the people. So I, I was always exposed to people of different backgrounds. I mean, even preschool. My preschool was very diverse. It was in Queens. I think that's so, a huge part of it. I mean, yeah. So I mean, my first friends were Indian and black. That's, like, yeah, that, so that makes all the difference. I actually felt weirder <laughs> a lot of times in Merrick feeling like there's like this weird... Like when I would leave Queens or hang around here... Coming into Merrick, it was it, it felt like this weird, sanitized bubble. And even though I couldn't verbalize it, I knew that nothing that happens here is the same as what goes on in the real world, where all sorts of people exist. Merrick is such a bubble, but that I, I never got out of that. Bubble. So you, so so, you're now I'm starting to all right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So now yeah. what happens is is that you leave the bubble, and. There's this whole world, and, and, and there's just that um, social anxiety, and it can easily manifest into this, well, I'm, I'm now, I now feel different yeah. in some regard. Yeah. And there's no healthy, there really is no healthy way to um, verbalize it without sounding horrible. Yes, exactly, and maybe this is not the place to do that. No, it is well, the we, perfect place. We just kind of got into the whole political thing, and this is... I was trying to be honest about how I'm feeling politically, which is that I have these emotional reactions to these things that I can't, I can't put into an institution. And the and the only healthy I, I way. That entirely. Yeah. But the only healthy way to to yeah. to work through shit like that is to continue to expose yourself to people of different backgrounds and make friends and talk to people because people are people. You know, sure. Depeche Mode. People are people, um, and once you get over these um, these imaginary 
divides and borders, which, I mean, they are imaginary, but they're instilled. They're instilled in you. You're told every day that they exist. And the minute you break through it, and it's all bullshit, and once it really, it's one thing to tell yourself over and over it's bullshit, and to know it's bullshit, but then to truly um, experience it being bullshit, then it's like, then it's gone, right? Sure. Yeah, you have to do that. I don't think that's all, that could be all of it, because, like, I don't know, I think you're more of an analytic, like, you, you're an intellectual person, you, you think about things critically, analytically. I don't think, like, the exposure alone will do it. I think you need to kind of, I don't know, I think you need to, like, just kind of internalize that you, racial tension in America wasn't created by you. It's not no, personal. Right. And, and the people, if, if there are, if you, if you have come, and you might continue to come across people who are, who are irrationally upset with you, those people mm-hmm. do not, literally do not matter. That much. They don't represent anyone besides themselves. No, they really, they they really don't. And I think the Democratic Party and the media builds them up to be louder and more influential than they actually are, in the most horrible bad faith way, right? Because and we that we could I brought that up. Well, I wanna I wanna actually because I think Matt I think before I went off on my tangent that made this a little too personal. Sorry about that. It's not too personal. No, no, you did nothing. I think you were trying to move into the actual discussion. Of some kind, but I think it's still going to be relevant. Well, yeah. we got to go into the gender were, thing yeah, now. Do, do you know where you were going? I didn't know if I, I was. The, I didn't know if we were about to. I was going to play off discussion points if okay, we got yeah, into sure, them. Sure, sure, sure. But if there had been a Jordan Peterson in 2013, without my experience and education and understanding of the world now, I would have latched on like that. It would have been that That's easy. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. What, I would have been an all right. In 2013, I would have gone down that road. What, changed, I have no, what, what could you have told somebody then? What could you have told yourself then to stop that? Well, that's the good question. A lot of it, you have to, um, to stop that. Yeah. It's tough. Because to stop what? Listening to it? To stop to, the, radical, the bullshit. The radicalization. Which is well, something, which is what this episode's intention was. Oh, okay, that was our point. Yeah, oh, our point, like, I back thought, in 2015 <laughs> I thought or it was, like, a vaguer letter to Gen Z. I didn't think we had, like, a real plan. Well, we haven't really had a letter to them. We just kind of abstractly talked about them behind their backs. That's you what know, I feel you like you're You are Gen Z, Matt. Come on. Oh, well, I am in the room, yeah, Gen Z. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> well, actually, the, the, I'm looking, I'm still looking, I still have the uh, fucking... Uh, graph open. It has an asterisk next to Gen Z, and it says undefined. So the millennial part that could be adjusted because it is all sociological bullshit. They could always change that. Well, millennials were now twenty years outside of what we call the end of the millennial range, right? Yes. And so we're still in the middle of the Gen Z range, sort of edging out towards some whatever's going to be next. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the final frontier. The final frontier. Yeah. Yeah, because what comes after Z? I guess they're anticipating the end of the world. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Why would they call it that? It's Why are they terrible? Oh, they're going to kill everyone. Gen Z's the last one. Let's be real. But, uh, all right, so, like, we had a good question. Let's stick yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have to go back to 2013 me and, and say something about that in my head. Uh, it's tough because that dealing with someone who goes down the Jordan Peterson uh, rabbit hole at a young age, at 16, 15, is doing so for such emotional reasons that they are validating, because that's something that people are good at. It's what separates us from the animals, is that 
Animals have emotional impulses and they act on them. People have emotional impulses, they act on them, and then they rationalize them after. Because that's, that's the real difference. And that's why we can create patterns of behavior. It's why we can express how we're feeling. It's how we can express why we're feeling and how we act. So at that early age where you're coming into your thinking and you're coming into your beliefs, and for someone who is susceptible to really cult-like thinking, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is by saying that in 2013 I would have become an alt-writer, I would have become a Jordan Peterson person, I'm not saying that I, my beliefs were in any way racist or bigoted or in that same framework. I think, I think we should all just that as a I'm going to put that at the beginning. Yeah. What, 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 I mean, what I mean by that is that I was incredibly emotionally vulnerable. Yeah. And whoever came forward with the answer, I would have just snatched up and I would have run with it. And a lot of what Peterson is, is about that self-help rhetoric, which is why he wrote the 12 Steps for a Life, which is just so completely, like, you couldn't have been more on the nose with it. Like, here's the 12 Steps for Life. If you're confused about what you're supposed to be doing, just read my book. Yeah. Um, so, especially in 2013 where his rhetoric has to do with masculinity and it has to do with um, being what this male archetype is supposed to be and being successful sexually and emotionally and professionally. If you would have found me at 16, it would have been so easy. It would have been like that. So what can you possibly say to someone who is that emotionally vulnerable? And the first thing you just say is to take, take ownership of your life, which I, I mean, I, we've had this discussion. You take ownership of your life first. And it, it sounds like more of the self-help bullshit, but by... How does that, how does that connect to the politics? Uh, you can take your time. Because the politics are bullshit. The politics are the, the valid, are, are, is just the rationalization of the emotional subscription to bad ideas. For young people, 100%. You really think you really you really think you really think a fucking fifteen year old playing playing Fortnite cares about tax brackets? Come on, no, no they no, don't. No, 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 no. Okay, okay, not really. No, but how? There, there is a little bit of because there is an absence of left materialism. Just a little bit. I mean, I'm I'm speaking in academic language, but a little bit of like that class warfare and the rich suck and oh labor is exploitative. If you don't have any of that. Um, how are you going to, uh, if you hear any of these right-wing guys drop a hint of, like, economic discourse, people will think, oh, yeah, this is how the world works. Wow, that's so smart. So, so it's possible that without, like, the political front in this, maybe if you told 2013, take ownership of your life, this is all bullshit, you still could have internalized a little bit of the anti-SJW stuff, the but that, no, but that's what I'm starting to get into by saying take control of your life. Because all of the anti-SJW, like why, why does Ben Shapiro tweet uh, about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez seven times a day and then at the end of the day say he doesn't care about her? I why, saw that that why, so why does Steven Crowder and, Jor and Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro and rage? Why do they rage with hatred? about trans people and because of cuckoldry no, no partially partially why do they why do they dog whistle racism homophobia bigotry against people who are in lesser societal places because they hate themselves because they hate themselves because they're filled with rage because Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez is fucking 
hot. Awesome. She's hot. She's smart. She has this. She got to Congress at yeah. twenty fucking nine. But, but break it down, right? Break it down. Break it down. Ben Shapiro is this wimpy, twerpy little guy who has nothing to him, sounds like a weasel, is a weasel, so he attacks people who are less of them. He doesn't care about science. And Shapiro caring about science? He doesn't read science. That's why he just says He's facts and logic. Global warming. They don't care about science, so they don't care about... They don't, they, 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 they're not trying to protect anybody by bringing up trans bathroom rights. They want to attack people. It's bullying. It's bullying in the, in the, in the grade school, basic children sense of the word. That's all it is. It's, 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 it's people who feel down on themselves, who are recruiting kids who are like them um, when they were at that age and just manufacturing hate speech as a way to build themselves up. And, that, and that's where that begins. It's why when you, when you subscribe to Peterson, um, especially the way he brings up masculinity, you don't have to work for your masculinity anymore because Peterson, as long as you agree with Peterson, you're on the right masculine track in this sort of pseudo-hypothetical, pseudo-psychological way. Like, oh, if I subscribe to masculine ideas, I'm more masculine. I don't have to work to be a masculine person. I don't have to work towards being right. more fit Buying or smarter. That book is, is almost like actually, it's, it substitutes actually going to the gym. And yes, stuff, like, that's okay. it. It's that's literally real, what it is. That's the road to salvation. So when I say... T- while my opening statement to 2013 me would be take control of your life or take ownership of your life, what the follow-up is then do something about it. Then you take action. Then you find the problem areas that you don't like about yourself and you address them. So that way you never internalize these, 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 um, these negative feelings about yourself. You and then internalize that you're a victim and then bully others. Yes, and that's all it is. That's what the alt-right is built on. Okay, well, that's, that is like the essence of it. But I, I don't know if you can just say that and completely ignore all the intellectual shit around it. But the intellectual stuff is rationalization of that emotional core. Because we're talking about Gen Z right now. We're talking about kids who play Fortnite and dream about having their first kiss. They do not care about tax, tax brackets. They don't care about socialism. How do we stop it? I just said it. Oh, we, oh, we, we, <laughs> you attack the emotional left, core. Like, and, and that, that is a political mission. Tell people to take ownership of their lives. You, you're, you're, you're intellectualizing. No, no, you're no, over... No, 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 no. Because people, people process this as actual politics. Like... And, and, I, and I know you're right. And I know it's, it's, a, it's tricky. I know it's tricky, but you, you were saying people buy into it because of this very baseline emotional vulnerability and victimhood and immaturity. And it is talked about in the media as right-wing politics. And it's a fucking, it, if it fucking leads to people voting Republican, then shutting it down becomes a political act. And I completely agree with okay, you. Okay, I That's understand that. That's a political that. thing. And, and like... Then you need to you need to weave this take ownership your life of your life thing into a more comprehensive left wing worldview. You have to because it's because it's a political thing now. I, I think that you're I think that you're maybe I'm missing your point here, but I think when you say you have to weave it into a more comprehensive uh, left wing worldview, um, you're looking at it from the wrong end of the telescope. Like Matt's saying, like it starts with a shift in your emotional. Core, and you're saying no. It starts with the change in the the, the, the language. The political discourse. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which well, I, are we ta- are we talking about macro? Are we talking about 
I mean, yes, this is in theory a letter to our 2013 selves. Yeah. But are we? But are, are we also talking about how we deal with this as a national problem? Because it is one. Well, sure, but I think right now. We're but what are we talk? What does that even mean? Like, are we talking about addressing it practically, or are we just talking about ideology? Like, what are we actually discussing then? Both. But what does that mean? Because because what I'm discussing is how do we. What if Take. it's like a high school senior who's like this? This no, is no. Now you're now you're making something specific um, out of a. You're you're playing both sides of this argument here. You're you're saying we have to make it a, a larger political issue, and then you're saying, but what about what, this one person? But what Matt's saying is that for that one person, the larger political issue does not fucking matter. It really doesn't. You. Because you read all this shit all the time. You listen to Chapel Trap House. You're reading fucking every political ar- article. article you can, and you're following Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, where the high school senior does not care I, I think, at all. I, I think it's, if you want to talk about emotional, it, it's got it's, it's to be cultural and artistic. I agree. When, when you talked about destroying the, um, what did you say, destroying the... Uh, emotional core. The, the emotional uh, core, attacking the emotional core. Mm-hmm. The only image in my head was the Death Star. Yeah, and I and I know that Star, right. I know that Star Wars is sometimes seen as being a uh, an endorsement of that kind of like American dream can do attitude that mm. a lot of people think is bullshit. But I actually and maybe out of your you would see it that way because that from an ideological perspective, absolutely the reading of that movie is going to be something that's way too optimistic for the majority of Americans to buy into. But I think that from from Matt's point of view, showing that movie to somebody who's thirteen can really make them believe in themselves because it is a movie that's about agency, that's about an individual taking an action to metaphorically He's right, destroy, it's not about victim, destroy the darker part of themselves. Mm. I mean I mean Luke at least. Especially you know, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, absolutely. And the fucking Return of the Jedi at the end, oh my god, that final bite right? It's all about anger. Yeah, absolutely. I mean the, the whole the whole managed but well the whole know. original trilogy is is about it's, it's an optimistic take on the classic hero's journey, which is about somebody who's literally discovering more of themselves as they save the thing that they care about. They're, mm. they're, 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 both identifying, they're both identifying the problems in their society and in themselves, and it's only by becoming the master of both worlds, by both accepting that there are some things in their world that they can't change and accepting that they have to change themselves in order to save the parts of the world that they can change, that they ultimately transcend whatever it is that they've been struggling with, and they, they achieve nirvana, they defeat the bad guy, they, you know, become one with the force, whatever that is. But so, you, what you're yeah. seeing is, you're seeing... I know, I, yeah, I You're seeing I this, this, this big situation when it's built upon, at least in this arena, and it's the arena of tomorrow, it's built upon an emotional core, and it's why when people take to the streets and they do these on-the-street interviews with Trump supporters, they have no idea what they're talking about, and so much of that is internalized emotional bullshit from when they were young, and it just never goes away, because no one made it go away, because no one's ever actually tried to make it go away. Well, if I had to deal with, if I was dealing with 2013 you, (laughs) let's say Peterson was around and you were believing this at some level, I would do what you're saying and tell you to take ownership of your life and, and recognize the emotional core to it and get to it. But I also would address the different levels that you might be experiencing. Oh, fuck the SJWs, fuck the feminists who, like, hate me for no absolute reason. If, if, your rage is, if your rage is misdirected and any of it is political, then I would address that politically. 
And and also with you. And also mm-hmm. you with you it might be a hundred percent I am angry, I feel like a victim, I I have been bullied, I have a re I have a legitimate gripe to be angry, and this is how I'm gonna decide to process and respond. But I do think some people are less angry, but they literally hear their friends listening to this, and it's literally all over fucking YouTube. And it's not even that deeply personal. It's just the political trend. It's the political zeitgeist. And and with that, you need a, a political answer and a political rebuttal. But why would they listen to you? Well, why are they listening to the right-wing shit? They, because they're they speaking to their emotional core. Yeah. Because they, that's how a cult leader does it. When you're dealing with someone who's deeply embedded in cult-like ideology, never, and I mean never, do you attack them based on the 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 internal logic of their beliefs. Yeah, on on the, on the surface level of their beliefs, you're n- you're never gonna go to Jonestown and just go up and say, "Hey, everyone, Jim Jones is a fraud," because they would kill you, which is what they did. They killed someone so and then they killed I themselves. Out of the, my Peterson face. What? How was I pulled out of my Peterson face? Because was I only intellectual intellectualizing to begin with? Absolutely not. It was a visceral, emotional thing, and I felt like a victim. When you mm-hmm. were at that party, what had changed in your life significantly? Anything since before you started? Doing Some of it's just system? distance. Some of it is just distance. Yeah. Time heals wounds. Yeah. But Part of it's that, and, and it's been, and it's the fact that you were. It's not so much that the Chapo people told you something you didn't know. Right, yeah, they definitely... I already knew... You were, already, you were in a place to be pulled out of it. It's the fact that you were proven that there are people who are like you. So your emotional insecurity was broken because all of a sudden there are these Brooklynites who are thinking like you and there are people who listen to them. And all of a sudden there's a community that exists and you could take a deep sigh of relief. Subreddit. And now... It's not so much about what they say on the Reddit and what they say on the podcast, but it's the fact that they're saying it and you know they exist. And the fact that the community exists relieves you of that emotional strife that Peterson was just putting a Band-Aid on. They stitched it up for you. Because now now, now you don't even need that uh, emotional insecurity to even exist. Well, but, it's, but it's the same, but that's the same. It's, it's funny because that's, it's still the same emotional satisfaction you would get if you'd bought into Peterson all the way. Right, you just, you just went to the right side. Yeah. <laughs> right. It, it's about having friends, it's about talking, it's about so the right, dialogue right. too. Connecting with people. Yeah. So what we need to do is we need to basically present, if you're talking to 2013 Matt or 2013 John or 2013 Adam, you have to present us with alternatives that are both as emotionally satisfying. Generation Z, welcome to Carousel Jockeys. We will be friends with you. We love you. Yes. Send us your fan yes. mail and your money. We will talk to you. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we validate your struggle, whatever the fuck it is. However stupid it is. Sorry. However stupid. Right. Right. Immediately invalid. He's right. He's right. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You could you can have the dumbest gripe and we will give you a hug well, it's, it's, it's and like, say it's, it's okay. A, it's like therapy. It's like therapy, right? There's a, and maybe this is... And Chapo's therapeutic for me. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like an isolated socialist. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean one of the, one of the, I mean, there's a Woody Allen quote, which I know he's not a good person to quote, but too bad. But he makes such good movies. He does make such good movies, except for when they're creepy. Does he make creepy movies? Have you ever seen Manhattan, Matt? No, I haven't I seen that one yet. Is it creepy? Manhattan's creepy. Yeah. Really? Um, anyway, there's a, Woody, there's a Woody Allen quote. It's two quotes, but the, the one that I care about is, is, is he talks about, he, he's, he's talking about Annie Hall, and he's talking to, to his wife, and he's saying, you know, all I do, I, I, you know, she, his wife just went to therapy, and she went for one day, and she said, yeah, I think I really had a great breakthrough. And he turns to her, and he goes, you, you went for one day, you had a breakthrough. I've been going for 13 years. You know what I do? I whine. 
I'm going the right <laughs> And I think that, I think that um, going, engaging in some kind of therapy, if it's talk therapy or if it's any other activity that is soothing or therapeutic, sometimes you're going to feel like you're doing it as a way to patch over wounds that are not valid, that are bullshit. Mm. And, 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 and that's probably the hardest moment for somebody to get through, I think, emotionally, is when, is when they feel like their concerns aren't valid. It, it's, like, it's like a second layer of emotional insecurity. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's not only that, it's like now I can identify with this person, but I'm, I, I'm burdening them. Or, I'm, or I, I can identify with this thing, but I'm a burden to that thing, which, which means that you haven't actually found that thing that is, that is fulfilling for you, and you have to keep looking. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's another sort of corollary to your advice. It's not just um, take ownership of your life and do something about it. It's take ownership of your life, do something about it, and if, not, if the first you don't succeed, try, try again. You have to go back to those old cliches, which more and more I'm sort of learning as I grow up. Like they're, the cliches for a they're reason. completely true. I mean, like like Steven Spielberg again, another movie thing. Like Steven Spielberg makes great movies. Yeah. I mean, not all of his movies, but mm. but the good ones at least. Like they're great. They're great, they are trite, and they're manipulative, but they work because they, they, they make you feel shit. Mm -hmm. And the feelings and, and the cliches are the same. The feelings and the cliches go hand in hand with one another. It's really hard to separate. Because when, when you're making a film, sometimes you don't have to intellectualize anything. Yeah. Because you know, when you're telling a story, it, it, it goes back, this is now the, the, the much lighter way of saying what I said to you about Maury. And I think I said this on the podcast. I said, we were talking about how on Maury, they only have paternity tests and lie detector tests. And if you go to Jerry Springer, you'll see lie detector tests and you'll see all <laughs> the same shit. And Steve Wilkos, lie detector tests, paternity tests. And I said to Wilkos, wow, there's only so many things to go batshit crazy over. Yes. And it's the same thing with me. It's like, wow, there's only so many things to really feel emotionally engaged with. So yeah. if you, if you, it, I know psychology as a field is a major task to master, but if you can master emotional, empathic understanding, you can get anything across. I, I agree, but I, I think that, that you were onto something there, and then you... I, oh, I, think, I, yeah, I, I ruined I, my I, point. What did I do? No, it's, it's okay. No, no, sorry. Um, at the end there, I, I think that you, the, 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 the big thing is that you, you, limiting your choices is mm -hmm. almost always the easiest way to emotionally satisfy yourself. Mm. But you have to make sure that the that the the spectrum is is in the right area. It's like it's sort of like the um the, what do you call it? the Peterson window? Not the Peterson window. The, <laughs> the Peterson. The, the Overton Peterson. window. The yeah, Overton window, it, right? It. The Overton window. The idea that you can you you, you you a country's political spectrum can only exist on 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 a on you know a scale that's x x size, and then you can shift left or right. But but that size, that Overton window, the size of that window stays the same for that country or whatever it is. And I I don't know exactly if that's is that a good mm. good gist of it. So I think that your own Overton window exists too, and I think that 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 for example, when you talk about like films, like there's only so many things to get emotional about, like going back to those same ideas, divorce or or depression or suicide or um, uh, on the positive side, like like getting married or, or having you know those primal life events. That's the Overton window of a Spielberg movie, mm -hmm. because because those are the things that are going to most easily and directly generate those positive or negative emotions that are strong enough to create a sense of catharsis, to create a sense of belonging, to create a sense of, like you said, empathic. Maybe that's where you, maybe, maybe that's what you were saying. Um, and, 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 and talk about psychology. I mean, that's the whole thing is like, if you, if your choices are too big, you're paralyzed, you're fucked. I mean, you, you look at life and you go, there's so many options. What the fuck do I do? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, can, can you imagine like we, we were talking about dealing with the emotional core and, and earlier 
Yeah. Um, you were apologizing for personalizing it, and we were saying, no, 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 it's okay. And I think what we were concerned about when we were talking about emotion was that, well, if you're attacking emotion, if you're attacking emotional problems, then what's happening is you're gonna, we're going to be doing this forever. There are billions yeah. of people. We're going to do this one step at a time forever. But can you imagine if, if emotions weren't as universal as they are, if every time a new client came in for a psychologist, it was genuinely a clean slate and they had no idea what they were about to deal with. Like imagine if every depressed teenager came in and all of their problems were novel to that psychologist. There was just no The, the, the psychologist would break down after one day. Like imagine if like a kid sat down right. and the psychologist right. said, you know, said, okay, tell me about their problems. And, they, and the psychologist had no foresight or understanding or where to even begin. And they just heard something and they're like, that I, I've never heard of this problem. Like, how the fuck would I deal with this? And then, like, another kid comes in. It's the same fucking thing. And every like, no. Like, when a psychologist is dealing, especially in like a group therapy situation, the whole point of group therapy is that everyone in the group has something they can relate to. If you're a psychologist and you've been doing, especially a seasoned one, by the time a fucking teenager walks in, they know a fucking girl broke their heart, or they know <laughs> that they're having parent problems, or that they're not doing good in school, and maybe they have some, maybe they need a fucking pill of Prozac because that'll boost some hormone in their brain, and that'll make it more productive, or it'll do this, or do that, and and, we, and maybe they just need to address their cycles of productivity, and that that'll make them feel better, or maybe it's just fitness, or maybe it's this or that, but because they've been doing it for decades, and they've seen a million clients of the same fucking thing, they know how to address it. So we kind of have to treat the same thing politically, where. We know the base problems that people deal with, and we know what brings people to Peterson. We just have to use the same tactics, right? Peterson knows what these young men are feeling, and so he just addresses all of them on this emotional blanket, and then he slips in yeah. the political, right? Yeah. We need to address the emotional and then slip in. Hey, we want to live in a better world for everyone. How do we do that? And then we got them. And we do it honestly. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, then, they're, then you're setting them up to just... Uh, Shift to the left. You're, you know, if you do that. Their shift that, to the left you, is an honest one. We care about one. your problems, and, and everyone has a right. And it, you don't need Not to only like, do we want you to feel better, we want everyone to feel better together. Because then it's an honest shift. Then it's not this bullshit, weird, uh, which secondhand Carl's tribalism. Because if everyone's thing. getting cathartic against an enemy, yeah. you know, that enemy is feminists, or that enemy is white guys, you know, then, then it's just tribalistic chaos. You can't have... You well, can't I think, shift to I think it's it's tribalism either way, but I mean, people talk a lot about how the communities that are the the, the communities that we've conquered, right? The, the communities, the, such a the, word. The communities that we talk about. The, the communities that we've conquered, the Native Americans, the the African tribes, things like that. They may have been in some ways. I'm not going to say that. A lot of the times, their cultures were ones of community, were ones of peace, were ones of trade, were ones of exchange, were ones of, of uh, less. Am I am I am I stereotyping too much here? No, no, not necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just know, go with it. We're, we're, a lot of the times, those communities that we've conquered and then divided and destroyed were ones that were more peaceful, were more idealistic because of their. Um, what were we getting at again? I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. We're getting at. Uh, uh, were ones because of their tribal nature, because of their communal, because of their 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 sense of um, I, I their think sense of all being in the same. Direction. Direction. Whenever I think about tribalism, I think of the end of Watchmen. All right, maybe maybe the, maybe yeah, maybe. Do you know the end of Watchmen? I haven't seen. Well, I saw Watchmen at camp a long time oh ago. I hated camp. I know it. I haven't seen it. I've can only I just, seen the I, Bob Dylan. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to the graphic novel of it. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to spoil the graphic? Go ahead. The movie version. Spoiler alert, listeners. Spoiler alert. Watchmen at the end. At the end 
of Watchmen, the heroes approach uh, Ozymandias or whatever his name yeah. was. And hey, that's the end of the. That's the guy's name at the end of Watchmen. Ozzy, Ozzy Mandias. I think so. That's so funny. Like. It's the same same as the end of the of Breaking Bad. Oh really? The last episode of Breaking that's Bad is called Ozzy Mandias. I wonder if that's a that's probably, probably a link. Like Greek or Roman or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he has this grand plan to create world peace. And the sick part is his his plan makes perfect sense mm-hmm. because what he's gonna do is he's gonna open. Well, in the movie, it's a little different. The book's a little stupid. In in the book, <laughs> what he does is he's opening up this uh, portal to another dimension and he's unleashing this giant squid monster onto New York. In, in, the, in the movie, it's, it's uh, Dr. Manhattan is being used as a scapegoat. You're saying it's the same as the ending to the Avengers? No. What happens is he unleashes the squid monster, yeah. and, and, and they kill it. And it, it shows that there's this extraterrestrial uh, force of evil out in the world. Right. And um, Rorschach, obviously, he's, he argues for like truth, so he's like, no, it's wrong to fabricate extraterrestrial terror to bring everyone together in the entire world to fight a foreign enemy. But the thing is, it works, right? Because they kill the giant squid, and then all of a sudden, every single person on Earth is united as a tribe against an imaginary threat. Yeah, that's a common... You know, I've heard that one before, yeah. But that's... But that whenever I think about tribalism, I think to that that we just need a big ass alien invasion well, or that, a fabricated one. I think that works on every single societal level. I think that works down to two people gossiping about a third person. It's the same feeling. It's the same idea. Feeling a part. Theoretically, feeling yes, feeling a part of a community yeah. is such a. I mean, feeling that you're a part of a community is. I mean, it's what saved you. Else. Saved you from Peterson. It, 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 feeling a part. It's what. But it's also. But that community. It is so embarrassing to admit that a stupid podcast like prevented me from drifting into Adam, the old Adam, right. I, <laughs> did I admit anything? I don't think you did. I admitted I admitted You would have been into Peterson. That's 2013. All but well, I was I, into I Peterson flirted, actually. I flirted months. with Peterson a little bit. You went to Sam Harris. You want to admit something now that's going to be equally as fucked up? I've also flirted with Sam Sam Harris. Oh, you were no, into Sam Harris. I'm still into Sam Harris. He's no. a centrist Democrat. Come on, get over yourself. He's a centrist... A centrist Democrat is still the enemy. What no, about? but he's also a neuroscientist and an interesting podcast host. Okay, fine. He's also brilliant. I have, a, I have a book over there if you want to read it. It's fucking genius. I know that Adam's not a fan of Obama, but... Obama. Uh, he's a great example of somebody Maverick? who successfully mobilized an idealistic, an idealistic, positive, forward-thinking campaign. Campaign. I'm not. It's true. Oh, it's true. Don't gag on it. It's true. Well, he did a feeling, he, he a positive did. feeling. Well, that's, of course. Well, that's what yeah, we're talking yeah, about. And he had a two-term presidency. Okay, so what are you gonna well, bullshit if on? If we want to get our ass together and feelings aren't okay, right, trivial. Feelings aren't trivial. But he trivial. didn't act on it. No, you're right. Mm-hmm. Right, and we were electing a president of the United no, States. You're right. What he did was totally wrong. He was an amoral asshole. He didn't fulfill any of his campaign promises. But he won the fucking campaign. Even before that, I'm just saying the tw- the, the magic of 2008 was more about feelings. And slogans. That's what we're talking about. We're literally just talking about that. Okay. We're talking fair, about acting fair, upon fair. that, okay, though. Fair, but can't as trivialize these feelings, man. Uh, fair, but yeah. when we step into the political realm, yes. we need substance. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah. even when I'm we not address, arguing against right, that. We all, no, I think we, we agree on this. And and, and I'll, I'll agree that the core of this, I think, this all right stuff is their own emotional but bullshit. It, because, but my issue right now is that you're actually invested in politics and you want to make that your life, right? On some level. I think you severely undervalue empathic emotional connections to people. It's the same thing as saying to (laughs) him. That was so brutal. Jesus, I don't think that's... 
I, I, I think you brush it off way too easily and you get back to the ideology, which you have to first fight for people's hearts before you can fight for their minds. You and I both do this. But you're right. I think you're right in a very aesthetic sense. Like, aesthetic? Peterson did it already. No. You could ask him. He fucking did it oh, already. Oh, no. It's already oh, done. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's let's a separate, hold on. No, no, hold on, hold on. Shut up for a second. Let me, let's separate different concepts in my life. So, like, are, what are we talking about explicitly? Are you saying I need to be more empathetic? No, I mean, as, a little bit. As, like a, as an entry point to political action? Or are you saying I need to get back? Are, are you saying, like, think more about how Peterson mobilizes people? I'm saying both, because both are the same thing. I'm saying you have to go and any political rhetoric you use, you have to have in the back of your head, you have to be actively thinking about who you're talking to and who you're mobilizing towards. If you just shout ideology at people who don't want to hear you, they're not going to listen. Absolutely. And then they're going to vilify you. Absolutely. So you have to go for their hearts first. You, you, and and I'm, I'm not attacking you because I feel like I personally do the same thing, but you've, you have a track record of doing exactly that. I mean, talk about the... The, the debate team or the... No, the uh, video. The first thing that comes up when we Google you. Oh, Cuomo. The Cuomo thing? The Cuomo thing, yeah. Right. I, I don't want to say it. Oh, hey, you can tell. That's already on the internet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Cuomo's an excellent example of a moment where you literally just stood there and shouted about Israel in a press conference. And yes, everybody needs their voice heard, but nothing was going to come of that. You're right. Oh, absolutely. That was a strategic blunder. I th- that's different from well, what you Well, here we go. No, I think it's the same thing. I should What have, did you do there, Adam? You threw the garbage can. Yes! Yes, you threw the garbage can. That was good. Well, I, I could have protested that, something that the people in that room have their their lives are fucked with by Cuomo's economic policies, mm-hmm. and that was something to protest over. If there was any empathy and connection to the community, I would have thought about that. Sure, but that would have been more in the direction. Or of what you would have saying. introduced yourself as a Jewish person. Now I think you're getting into identitarian. But that, but that, but that community would have also related. Even if they, even if they went home that night and said that kid's a jackass, a little glimmer of what was he talking about? Because then they don't see you as this weird anti-Semitic voice that just shouted because he's stupid. Then it's like, well, he's Jewish. Well, that's how they saw you. They thought you were a fucking the idiot. The people in the room. They thought you were a fucking they, idiot. They are not normal people. How many? Th- we. Then why do you do it? To 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 get articles written. Really? Yeah, articles written. Who read yeah, those articles? And, and who read those? Ar- people who? came up to me in the street saying, "I appreciate what you did." Who read those articles? People in the community. There's a little. There's a tiny ass left wing community. Well, that's that's the interesting thing is that you did it and you said that people came up to you and said, "I appreciate what you did." Right? It's sort of like being a celebrity making a film, and then somebody comes up to you that you don't know who saw your film and you knew that it bombed at the box office, but one person saw it, right? And that one person came up to you and you say, "That made my day, man." But it's a, yeah, it's a right. total... We're, and we're, it was a strategic point. Listen, that's we're, right. We're right. talking different stakes here. When we're talking about a celebrity who makes a film who, 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 that bombs at the box office, who gives a shit? One person saw it, great, it's art. It, it, it might mean something for that person, but it, 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 if, you want, if you want to talk about like, the larger ideological meaning of the whole thing, like who cares? When you're talking about politics, you don't want to be the guy on the street who one person comes up to and says, I liked what you did. You want to be the guy who gets the video out there that... Everybody shares. It. Absolutely, Everybody absolutely. But and you want to be the centerpiece of the spectacle in a positive is that way. You saw an opportunity to have a cathartic moment because you were angry about the way a certain group of people live in the West Bank and Gaza, and you threw the garbage can. You 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 took out Sal's Pizzeria, but it didn't address anything. It didn't solve anything. It's why it's why I don't. I've never attacked you on the Cuomo thing, 
because it's the same reason why I would never attack really Mookie on the fucking Salas Pizza thing. Because in the grand picture of what happened in that day, throwing the garbage can doesn't matter. It's not. I, I'm not for it. I'm not against it. It's just something that you happened. You were very for it at the time. For throwing the garbage can? Yeah, no, the, the Cuomo thing. You commented. You you shared I, my post saying. But I got this more. Awesome. I, I wanted to get more people to see it, and I was oh, proud that man. you got your face out there. But at the same time, it was obviously not action. It wasn't going to change anything, and it, and it was it was an outburst, and you and the people who approached you. Who said, you know, it was a good thing you did. Well, at that point, you're preaching to the choir. You didn't change any minds doing it. Right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. when and if and when you want to take that um, topic up again, you have to do so in a way where first you address some sort of emotional point and then build upon it. You're correct. You can't I just agree. run out into the street and scream statistics from 1947 to now. You can't. You gotta start with uh, something that people can relate to. Fuck! It's why fucking comedians get their point across. It's why George Carlin was one of the voices of the fucking. I think you need a combination politics. of both. You do. But you need. Isn't that? That's what Sanders that, does, by the way. Adam, it's like it's like high it's like high school it's like high school essay writing. Pathos, ethos, logos. Right. It's, it's literally that simple. You, no. you start with pathos. You start with pathos. You bring in a little bit of ethos, but not too much because you don't want to seem like an asshole. And then you go straight for the logos once you've got their hearts. Mm-hmm. It's really... It's why they teach it to you, Adam. It's really that simple. Yeah. Because it works. Oh, in AP English. It's, a, it's another cliche. It's another, it's cliche, another cliche, cliche that works. That works. It's why... It's, I mean, I hate to keep going back to cult leaders, but there's such, like, a visual example of that... It's verbal working. manipulation. You know what? You know... Jim Jones. Yeah, <laughs> the great, great guy to emulate. A cult leader. Yeah, a cult leader who had 900 followers. Kill themselves for a guy. If you want to talk about winning people over on an emotional and what he would do, well, he, he ran a church, right? The People's yeah, Temple. Yeah, yeah. And everything he would discuss, he would do these uh, faith healings, right? Yeah. And he would lead these incredible sermons. And you can listen to them online. And they would make you feel something. They're incredible. And he looks so charming and fun. And the, and the women are going crazy over him. And he's leading these crazy, cathartic sermons, right? And then when he has his group together... Then he's talking about uh, radical socialism. Then he's talking about how do we overthrow the world and how do we create a rainbow family. And, how do, and all of a sudden, the, the conversation's like, wait, we were just talking about God. Oh, but uh, you see, I'm talking to God, and he this wants God a socialist side. utopia in Guyana. So we got to get him a Greyhound buses, and we got to go to Guyana. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, okay. And, and, but, 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 but when you've won people over on an emotional level, you can say anything. But what you want to do, obviously, is you don't want to say anything. You want to say something that's truthful and honest. So what you have to do is you have to win them over on an emotional level and then say the supplementary things that go with that, right? Because you want people to live a good, honest life. And what you want to do is create a good, honest life for all people. So you got to start with a good, honest life for one person and explain that to that one person and then explain on a greater picture why we're not seeing that worldwide and how can we make that happen. You're not going to walk in the middle of Times Square and shout about Israel and see any conclusive Result, you got to win people over first at their hearts and then at their minds. If you don't do that, you will lose. You will lose. And we can look at Peterson. We can look at Yiannopoulos. We can look at Steven Crowder. We can look at anyone. We can look at fucking Bernie Sanders. We can look at George Carlin. You can look at any... You can look at Martin Luther King. You can look at Barack Obama. Anybody who's ever mobilized groups of people are first great speakers. They're empathic. They know how to connect to people. And then they know how to get their point across in proper language. It even works... In reverse, it even works when you have a message that's supremely negative or a message that's a complete lie. And I mean, I, I guess that's what we're talking about with Peterson, but you look at, like, 
like uh, uh, LBJ and Nixon's rhetoric about Vietnam and the general feeling that not the counterculture, but the culture as a whole has towards Vietnam and the idea that, you know, they're veterans, therefore they're invulnerable and the, you know, we went in there to fight communism and we, you know, it, it's a super like gut punch of a, a kind of um, message about something that was the complete opposite of what it was intended to, or, or what it was describing, right? I mean, maybe, I'm, again, I'm oversimplifying. You guys know a lot more about this than I do, but it just sort of on a surface level seems to me to be a similar idea. And also because you said Hearts and Minds, and there's a great documentary of Vietnam called Hearts and Minds. Um, but, I mean, isn't that what the guy who led the Vietnam, uh, the guy who led the Vietnam War, isn't that what Eisenhower said you have to do? You have to win the Hearts and Minds first? The, the, yeah, I mean, these, these quotes are cliches, yeah. but they can't be overlooked. They come from people who have, tried and succeeded at doing exactly what we're talking about. The idea of winning people over on a political debate is not a new revolutionary millennial thing. It's something that's existed before like language existed. Like it's so it's so ingrained. We're really just rehashing old thinking and saying it in a different way. Or we, maybe in the same way. Have you guys ever watched the Oxford Union or, or Cambridge uh, Union debates on, on YouTube? No. You ever watch those? I don't think so. They're they're really weird because it's it's usually they don't they they they're like they're like two debate teams right but they're from the same school and see and sometimes there's famous people sometimes it's students and you know you've got you got like four people on one side of an argument four people on the other side of an argument and they go back and forth about policy matters whatever at the end they declare a winner but if you actually watch them they have one every week right. And I feel like that in and of itself is evidence that those debates are not the end-all be-all of those, those, you know, policy decisions or all, any of that because they continue on and on and on endlessly. It doesn't matter what the topic is. They're still always arguing the same ideas probably. You, you know what I mean? Um, and ultimately, the, the decisions aren't going to be made by the people who are having the debates. The decisions are going to be made by the people who gain the following to gain the power, the fo- who, who appeal to the emotions to gain the power. And, and they can choose to listen to whoever the fuck they want. But they gain the following first, right? Yeah, I, I suddenly just felt really dumb. Why? Uh, Why, because I talked about Cambridge? No. <laughs> because uh, we, we've been talking about winning hearts and minds over and over. And we're not looking at the most obvious example. We keep going back to the 70s with Jim Jones. We jumped to Jordan Peterson. We jumped here there. Trump. Oh, if God, you yeah. ever well, read a transcript of what he says... Gibberish. It's actually close to gibberish. It's random statements that are strung together yeah. by by really good public speaking skills and, and, and dramatic hand movements and facial expressions. He's an actor. He's an actor. So he didn't win an election on facts. He didn't win an election on made-up facts. He won an election on appealing to cathartic energy and emotion. Yeah. Hello? Like, isn't that what we've been talking about for almost two hours? Like... It really comes down to uh, he 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 came down and he took advantage of an emotional weakness, an emotional vulnerability that exists throughout the country. People who feel like their government aren't serving them, and, and those people are kind of right. Now, does that involve now? Obviously, Trump scapegoated minorities, which is where he was dead wrong. But in the greater picture of a government that just genuinely does not serve its people, Trump was. Right on. Absolutely. So he attacked the emotional vulnerability, and then he slipped in the bullshit. And then they drank the bullshit cocktail, and now they can't get off of it. And you cannot... You cannot I will support anything he does, 
even if it's not part of that like they'll support the Russia. Mantra, these Americans, these patriots, will support Russia before they even think of letting this guy go to jail and say fuck you to him. Like you're not going to win over Trump supporters by yelling statistics about how great Switzerland and Denmark and Canada's healthcare are. You're just not going to do it because they genuinely, just like the kids from 2013, just like the Generation Z kids, they don't care about about politics. Most people don't give a shit about politics, but they'll use it to rationalize their emotions. You gotta win them over. You gotta be like, you know what? This government's been fucking you for 50 some odd years and you've lost your jobs. You have no uh, sense of hope or upward mobility or anything. And too many people come down on you for, for somehow being the problem. When you're just trying to make an honest living and you're just trying to raise a family and care about your kids and your wife and somehow every problem discussed on the news has nothing to do with the real American problem. And we need to address that head on. And how are we going to do that? Let's, stop, let's cut the fucking bullshit. How are we going to get down to business and use our fucking hands and fix this country? You don't hear people doing that. The only person you ever heard doing that is Bernie Sanders, and that's why he packed Washington Square Park with some on 20,000 people. Hillary Clinton couldn't do that because she, she has no heart. And why he, he, he'll pro- he might get nominated. He'll, he, he'll probably win the nomination because he speaks to people. I mean, yeah. This is fucking depressing, though. Why? What is this whole idea? Like, like when you're not like like I find I think that that when you're not equipped in high school for that kind of experience in life, for that kind of uh, empathic human connection building, right? With that kind of like into uh, open intimacy with people, you're fucked. Oh, if you're not good at it. Well, if you're not it depends good at it. on what your goals are. It depends on what your goals are. You don't need to... We're, we're, we're getting into, like... We're getting very deep into, really, uh, you know, na- national politics and the cultural zeitgeist or whatever. But if, yeah. you're, if you're just trying to make a living, maybe be a leader within, like, a professional organization, I think it's more about sticking to the script doing everything right, unless it's intensely competitive, in which case you need to get creative. Actually, it was but, just, well, you say, you, you saying that, you remember how I, Yeah, it is, dep- no, it is depressing, yeah. but I'm just saying for a lot of people, they don't need to, they don't need to, like, overthink, it, you know what I mean? Or, or worry that much about establishing an empathic connection. But that's where you run... So in, many people don't. That's where you run into the, the Peterson principle, which I know is kind of weird. Uh, you know, the idea that you rise through a business until the point of incompetence and then you stop? Oh, that shit, right. Yeah. Because you, you wind up with people who are incapable of, of garnering and of having the charisma or the empathy to garner the kind of leadership qualities necessary to excel in an area. Right, and right, And they right. get stuck in the middle management. You talk about becoming a leader in a business area or whatever, right? Like, they get stuck in the middle management, and they get stuck in the bullshit jobs, and they get stuck in the areas where, you know, people hate them too much to promote them, but need them too much to fire them. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, look, I don't know how this whole gig economy thing will pan out. I, I genuinely don't know, like, what most of the people I went to high school with in AP classes well, will be doing with their lives. Well, that's the thing. In the gig, gig economy, 
you are fucked if you're not if you're not charismatic. You are fucked if you don't have any if you're not good at building empathic relationships. If you can't brand yourself, you're fucked. Exactly, and branding yourself is what we're talking about. It's really it's it's identifying what is your core emotional appeal to these people. Why do they like you? What do they like about you? You know, why do you like them even? Um, what is your symbiotic relationship with the world? I'm not sure about that. I, just if you're like, if you were a ste- if you have a STEM major, and you do everything right. Yeah. There's people we know who don't have to worry about branding themselves. You still go to a good college. You join s- the right, or- lobby the right organization, lobby in the sense of keep reaching out to them to try and get a job. You still, as an individual, in order to feel fulfilled, unless I mean, there's all sorts of different people in the world, but I think for the most part you need to have enough either self-acceptance or understanding or empathy for other people, which I think are kind of flip sides at the same point, to, to, to build the relationships necessary to, 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 to continue moving up as far as you'd like to. Like, maybe I'm, that was no, a no, no, long, no. long-winded way of saying... You could be right. I don't know. I don't know. You guys don't think that, you guys don't think that this, this, is, this is the generation that is the least prepared... To build those kind Z of... Z or millennials? Z. Z. Oh, I mean, yeah. millennial oh, yeah. to some extent, but we are... Millennials are all about empathy and openness and connection. I mean, we are the ones who invented... Who, you know, we, we pushed the open office. I don't know how they're going to brand themselves if they're on the internet all day. That's how they've learned to brand themselves, Instagram, potentially. Yeah, and, and, and so when you meet somebody in person, like, how uncomfortable does that become? Like, like... I don't know. They, they, oh, there's certainly a lot of incompetence at socializing. Yeah, exactly. In, yeah. in that generation. Yeah. And, yeah, and 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 you talk about black pill, like that's sort of the definition of the whole thing, right? Like somebody. Yeah, who and and there and a lot of them are give, and and if you if you're tying it into jobs and materialism, yeah, yeah, a lot of them are fucking giving up on that shit. Yeah. And you know they're, it's, there's going to be some dark shit in this country. That's for sure. There already is. There already is. Like we know people who are like. The road to any kind of financial independence is just astonishingly distant. We know people. Not not us, but, you know. No, so, well, we're fine. No, no, we're not entirely fine. And, I was entirely. being facetious. Oh, 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 yeah, I'm not. Actually, I am. You're, you're fine? Well, that's the fucking bullshit of the whole thing, is I have a job right now where... Now. Well, listen to me. I don't know. I yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. I have a job right now where I, I'm not making the kind of empathic connections that are necessary to sustain myself but like I have a hell of a lot of fallbacks because of my privileged position in the world mm. right, I, right, I, right. I recognize but that's that. still right but that's still getting back to the privileged connection Connect, yes. connection uh, the privileged fallbacks you're not relying on the self-branding and the empathic no, connections no I'm not because of right. where I'm at but most people aren't where I'm at. right so imagine if you didn't have one the awareness that this empathy is important or two the privilege yeah. if you had neither of those things you're fucked you're fucked or you're, or, uh, yeah, yeah, I think there's some people who are so good at just kind of following the script, not overthinking everything, being exactly what some companies want, that they'll get a job even if they don't have much intelligence, don't have good skills. I don't think that's a ton of people, though. I think that's like a 15, 20%, something like that. I just saw a lot of those kinds of people at Binghamton. That's all. They didn't brand themselves well, except yeah. kind of like this vague professionalism, this sense of professionalism. But they and they, and, and now they're working like, I don't know, they're working at, like, the bottom line of a human resources division at a pharmaceutical, stuff like that, you know. Well, we have a friend, Ariel, who is right now uh, a starting accountant at some firm in, in, in Manhattan, right? Yeah. 
CPA is a super straightforward career path. Oh, the accounting, CPA. right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. CPA is a super straightforward career path, right? You know, it doesn't require a lot of self-branding, doesn't require a lot of necessarily, like, outgoing, you know, sort of qualities or, or you know, massive... Right, exactly, yeah, yeah. But she still needs to... She still needs to be a likable person in the office. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. she's, like, you still have to be, like... And it, it's not just be, like... like You can't like, retreat entirely. Yeah. We boring you, Matt? No, you're not boring. Um, I don't know what else. I don't know what else. Are there to say. any questions we want to address before we wrap up? Uh, have we? <laughs> we 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 kind of touched this on the surface. I don't know if we've entirely fleshed out. At one point, we were talking about I don't the racial. Te- Sorry. Yeah, yeah. What were you saying? I, I don't think that we're qualified to do what we set out to do at the beginning of this podcast. To be honest. What do you mean? I think that we have some perspective, but I don't think we're going to be able to tell Gen Z what the fuck to do with themselves until we're much older. I mean, yeah, yes. No, but, but if we're just talking about the basic coming into your own ideology, yeah. of course, we, we have that much. We have the experience of where they were. There's no reason we can't. All right. Um, in that, in that yeah. basic arena. Yeah, we're just yeah. being... Then it just gets relevant. Where, like, where we don't have any real stake is when we, whenever we got into the racial shit. That we genuinely don't have the stakes to have that discussion without well, more diverse people in this room. Right now, it's yeah, that would be a better discussion well, if there's more I'm diverse people. I'm glad we had the discussion because I yeah, I don't think I it was learned, a bad I learned, discussion. I learned a little bit there. I don't think we're not allowed to have that discussion. It's just no, it's like not a, it's, it's not illegal to do. Right, but it's not. You're right. It's not like a complete discussion. Yeah, it's, no, it's there's, happy. No, there's nobody who's who's African American in this room. There's nobody who's Asian American in this room. We're all white. And, not, and, and, and it is linked to the Gen Z thing. That's how we talk. And, 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 and it gets a, <coughs> it gets a little. And, and but then it also changes a bit. Like, what if we had an African American person from Merrick, and then an African American person from Brownsville? I, That's a totally. They, they have totally different perspectives on this on, on the same coin, right? So ultimately, it comes down to a class discussion, which we didn't have because we're all. I mean, if we were, we could probably rank. Our so our economic statuses in the room, and we have a general idea of like where we all stand on that. But we're not we're not so far apart that we're in totally different arenas. Yeah, we can afford to live in the Merrick School District. Yeah, exactly. Which was a a high a blue ribbon high school. I had a friend at national. I had a friend at Hofstra named Quentin. He was a he was a black kid. He was like probably I would consider him one of maybe two black friends I've had in my whole life, and. He, we were having a discussion one day, and I made a joke that I shouldn't have made, and I apologized, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, that was probably too far. And he said, he looked at me, and he went, he's from Atlanta, he, said, he looked at me, and he went, I don't care, I was never in chains. And I was, and I, I, and I, lo- I looked at him, and I was like, what, you were okay with me making that joke? And he said, yeah. And I said, why? He said, because I, I he explained, he said, you know, I, my background isn't, I'm a middle class black kid who grew up in a white town, like, I, my background is not the same as somebody who grew up. My parents are from the Caribbean. You know, my I, I I don't have ancestry that was enslaved by hundreds of years of white Europeans, and I really don't have any experience understanding what traditional or, or sorry stereotypical black culture is like, right? And so, um, so he didn't he didn't have the same kind of gut emotional reaction to that situation that that. I assumed that he would have based on the color of his skin, which is almost as racist as the joke, come to think of it. Mm. Um, but 
but it was just interesting because you're right. It, that was another example where it was it was a class thing. It wasn't an, it wasn't a race thing. It was it was a you know he's he he, he it was about the fact that he was me, me and him were from the same class, had the same background, went to good schools, didn't really matter. You know, and I shouldn't. It doesn't change the fact that I shouldn't make the joke, but he was you know self-aware enough to know that he wasn't the kind of he had just as much privilege as I did in some respects. I mean, ultimately. If we're talking jokes, yeah. ultimately you can make virtually any joke as long as it. I mean, obviously, if it doesn't come from a point of hatred or you know, yeah, unless you're trying to make some weird point. No. But as long as you know the people in that vicinity, yeah. Uh, and then we're talking more social wise. We're not talking like a stage performance. Yeah. Social wise, if you know the people will be cool with it, you can really. I mean, there really should be no you know thought crime or something that of that nature. Yeah. Um, stage is a different thing. If you go to an open mic, you can get anything. And you gotta accept it. Um, we're talking jokes. Um, that's a that's a good example though of, of just how, and that really goes down to like how we have to reorient our thinking when it comes to these divides. And this is where Bernie was genius. He always brought up class, and he always brought up the wealth inequality. And he never, he, I mean, racial because really racial inequality is just a byproduct of of, of uh, class inequality. Ultimately, if we're talking about in the greater picture, so... Historically. Historically. But then, like, you could be a rich black guy still get pulled over by the cops. And that yes. thought experiment but is levied against the orthodox class reductionist all the time. But, but, but where did the... But then we get into where the cop got his perception of African-Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we cycle back into the wealth It goes again. back to materialism. You always return back to it. Yes. You always got to yes. smell the money. Because that's where the problems lie. And slavery was a fucking economic institution from which, the get-go. Which, if, so then, so then is, uh, so then is really the real problem of religion, because the people who came over here were just Protestants and Calvinists. And no, 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 no. It was a, it was a capitalist fleeting. logic that exists in all kinds of cultures. I know, I'm fucking right. It's, it's when you take, more when you take the production system, and it's less about what do I need to do to survive, and more about how do I sell as many goods as possible. That's that's the key switch. Right, right. But, but ultimately, before we got into this extra yeah. discussion, sorry. Um, what are we ultimately looking to address? Um, Gen Z. Yeah, well, that too. I feel like that's going to be a part two. I feel like we just scraped the surface of it. I feel like there's still so much more. This is like an introduction we to that discussion. We talked about like kind of the psychology behind that rising right wingness of Gen Z. Yeah, we did. I want to see some hard evidence of that, by the way. Of what? They're oh, right, I looked it up the other day. There's studies, studies done. I've never looked into it. I'm not. I'm not challenging you guys on that. I just. I, it's how they label themselves. They're not labeling themselves as liberals the way millennials do. How are How are they labeling? They're labeling themselves as what? Moderate and conservative. Interesting. Part of it is that's so not mainstream. Like, yeah. And this goes back to what we were talking about the PR culture. Yeah. Because like. PR or PC. PR. I think PR. I, you you said HR. You call it HR, HR culture. HR. I think it should be called PR culture. I think it's public relations. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, when, when no one, no kid from 15 to 17 in the United States of America can ever look at themselves and say that they're cool for watching Saturday Night Live or The Daily Show or Colbert. Because it it's so sanitized. The jokes are terrible. They're boring. But if you look at something that's edgy and not mainstream, you know, it's 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 like the modern day uh, bikers, you know, or punk rock. I mean, that's what people call it now. They call they call alt right yeah, the, the new punk, punk rock of uh, America. 
it's bizarre, but that's the way some people see it. Um, it's about how do we... Uh, Sorry. I mean, that's what a lot... Besides the emotional emotional uh, core of um, vulnerability, it also just looks cool. Just because it's not mainstream, right? Sam Hyde, Million Dollar like Extreme, did it. Yep. Million Dollar Extreme World Peace was canceled on Adult Swim for being too edgy. And even, even that show wasn't that political. I mean, it was weird. It was surreal. It was a little funny, um, for sure. It had some great skits. But um, their politics outside of that were very... I mean, regardless of whether or not they're playing it up for absurdism or whatever, we don't really know Sam Hyde's politics because it just seems so fickle. Um, and he, he'll go from super alt-right to kind of moderate, kind of like, I don't give a fuck, which makes it cooler because that's like, ooh, what is this guy into? Sure. Um, it's about how not only how do we address the emotional vulnerability stuff, but also how do we make our position cool. And now you just got to look to Boots Riley, man. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. Sorry to bother you. Great. Coolest movie of the fucking year. Bizarre. That guy radiates cool. So, like, when we discuss arts and entertainment um, and culture, we definitely need to be right. looking and at cool. We gotta not, be looking at George Clinton. We need to be looking aesthetic. at the cool it's shit. The, the left. It's like Angel if the Davis left is cool. becomes the sanitized SNL thing, it's gonna flop. It's because right, people are angry. Exactly what you said. There's no emotional connection except to the worst, most cushy people, right? They empathize with Saturday Night Lives because politics is a sport to them. They have no... It's not like a system that's fucking abandoned them. But if you actually have, like, anti-systemic leftism, if you have populist leftism, then, then you could pull people from the right. And I'm not even just talking about Bernie Sanders. I mean, I'm talking about, like, a rebellion against norms. Mm -hmm. Fuck HR culture. Mm -hmm. Fuck uh, con respecting the government. You know, Trump... Trump doesn't respect the government. Who the fuck should? We should get back to that. Then we make the left edgy again. And that, but that's, and then that's like another part of the puzzle, right? So we talked emotional vulnerability. We talk basic, the branding of being cool. Um, and then part of it's the logos. And we're, um, we could obviously discuss that more, but that's definitely our yeah, argument. I think the, the takeaway from this conversation is you, you, can't, you, have to, you can't neglect the pathos of it. And it's underlying so much of how people are engaging with actual politics. It's just how they feel about shit. Can't ignore the pathos. So, I want to jump in real quick before we move on from the, the ethos version section of it where we talk about being cool. I think that's another thing. I guess I'm probably just echoing what you guys were saying, but um, like, like figuring out who it is in the culture that we are rallying around right now and who it is that's coming in that, that has, that I, I look at them and I go, I want to be that person, you know? Um, I think that's probably one of the hardest things about getting Sanders across to most people is that nobody looks at him and goes, I want to hey, be that guy. But hey, now there's uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, it's, she's a great example of, a, of somebody who you look at him and you go, I want to be her. But, but, but part of it, which is interesting. A star. She's not perfect, but no, a star. But there's, yeah. Part yeah. of what's interesting and what makes the situation I don't know if it's unique, but it's certainly interesting, is the people who are, um, the people who are uh, right now at the center stage of alt-right and all that, they're not in any way attractive, no. interesting-looking people, but they're easy to beat, right? You don't have right. to... Right, yes. with them. You, you, don't, with you them. don't have to work really hard. I mean, all right. You look at like you look at Alex Jones and you're like that's a f I literally over, see that in the mirror. Forty five middle aged balding man. I'm already him. Yeah, exactly. No work. It's so it's, instant it's, gratification. It's, it's, he, he's Homer Simpson for the alt right. Like if Shakira, I, if, 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 if like the standard 
woman or a guy in America wanted to be as attractive as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or have that swagger and spunk, they would have to put work into it. But yeah. to look like Jordan Peterson or look like fucking Ben Shapiro or Sam Hyde, you literally just not you just don't need to bathe for like two days <laughs> and like put on Old Spice and so then walk out and scream a racial slur. Or like it's so it's so easy. Like if you're looking in the mirror. And you already see that. You're so instantly gratified. It's like ordering a fucking Big Mac. So, in a sense, having the the, yeah, the, the, the schlubby, right. wispy-haired Bernie Sanders, yeah. you're kind of like, you know what? When I'm 85, I hope I have that much passion and spunk. Like, it's a, it's, it's a weird thing. Because it's the, it's, it's the rebelliousness. Because the sanitized SNL liberalism is also, also incorporates celebrity culture. Yeah. That keeping up with the Kardashians thing, the Beyonce Yas Queen thing, the, so much of what the Democratic Party actually gets its cultural Katie Perry. capital from. Katy Perry. Fireworks being the fucking song for us. Right, the fucking, like, Oprah Winfrey shit. Like, oh, there's these rich, they're not always rich, but beautiful, even AOC. Like, these beautiful people that you should treat like celebrities. Yeah. But, and the, even the, the way people on the left get excited about AOC is more like the celebrity thing than the Peterson fans. Yes. It's different. And and maybe the left, I don't know how it would even work if it's even possible, but maybe the populist left needs someone who's like Schlubby. a fucking YouTube, yeah, just a, a guy in his bedroom on YouTube being like, I need a fucking job, man. This 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 sucks. They're, they're not paying, they're paying us horribly to keep cutting us off. I but can't it's confidence here. It's not, it's, not, it's not about the aesthetics, it's about what's here, right? So like, Peterson radiates confidence, but he doesn't luck it. Sam Hyde radiates unabashed, absurdist confidence, but he just sure as fuck doesn't look like it. Same with Ben Shapiro. So it's about uh, supporting people who look like your average day Joes, but have a lot of smarts up here. Yeah. That's what it's about. Yeah. It's not about finding the, the, the hottest person and whom it, it doesn't, you know, I'm not calling anybody, I'm not talking about AOC right now. Um, Finding a hot person who may be brainless and pushing them to the top, you know, the content of their of their speech still speaks volumes, especially if we're trying to brand people to be the next uh, wave. Well, that's that's interesting because I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think I'm, I always go back to Hollywood. Do you think that there's a difference between hero worship of a celebrity who is or of a politician because they're all the same, right? Hero worship of somebody who is more perfect than you could possibly be. And hero worship of a celebrity who you look at them and you go, that, yeah, I could probably, that could probably, like, you know, uh, I, I, I could achieve that. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like, 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 like identifying with somebody you want to get a beer with and identifying the with somebody that. The actor plays Chris Moltisanti, like, just a, cla- a B-minus actor. Well, no, like, somebody like, like, like I, I would, I would say, like, for example, like, George Clooney or the Brad Pitts of the world, right? There are people who, some people look at them and they go, they are so unattainably attractive and amazing and beautiful, Right. And that's how they get cast. And then somehow Pete Davidson gets Ariana Grande, and we go, huh. Well, Pete Davidson's a... Th- well, he is a big yeah. dick energy. Just kidding. But who cares? But that's, that's not... That was a, like, I, I, don't, I don't... Yeah, anyway, I'm trying to think of an example. Like Martin Sheen, great example of a guy who played your, 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 your average kind of, like, um, everyday hero, working-class hero. Oh, Bruce Willis. Yes, Bruce Willis. Average guy, does incredible things. Yeah. Versus yeah. George Clooney, superstar, or Tom Cruise, superstar, also does incredible things. What's the difference between Bruce Willis and Tom Cruise? Yeah, Jesse Ventura, the governor of Minnesota, was this. Like, yeah. Every day, nor, the working man's wrestler. 
Yeah, it's how it's like the psychology of liberals and conservatives. It, it, it's really split like that. But but what but but why do we as liberals need a Bruce Willis when we've got a dozen Tom Cruises? Because the Tom Cruises aren't relating to the people we need to speak to right now. Okay. I mean that's part of it. Um, the average man, Bruce Willis. Is such a easy? He's someone who can easily walk we're across that line. About, we're talking about nineteen ninety. I disagree I with you. Yeah. I disagree with you on that a little bit. That's that's what I'm also wondering. Is, is I think we I think we I think we change the ideas a little bit. I, I don't know. I, I I don't think the problem is how we do the celebrities on 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 the left. I think the AOC, even though people treat AOC like. Michelle Obama or like um, like the woke ass Beyonce celebrities, whatever that whole thing is like. As long as she's saying the right ideas, I don't give a fuck. But the people who we need to listen to them are not listening to those ideas. Yeah. It's all it's all speaking to the choir, man. The liberal. Well, well, oh, we can make the that's liberals a good point. more left. That's we- a good point. Who goes to see Mission Impossible? Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible fans. Yeah. Who goes to see? Who went to see the first Die Hard? Everybody. Exactly. Everyone went to it. It was yes. the best movie ever. Yes. Yes, and that's a huge thing. When Leo made Titanic, mm-hmm. the world fucking saw it. Yeah. When Leo made um, Revolutionary Road, Housewives saw it. Yeah. Like, 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 you can either be the person who's perfect in the world that you're living in, or you can be the person who you gotta be the, per- the person that's perfect in like a like a world that's fit for you. Yes. You know what I mean? Or you can be somebody who is getting by in the world that is not designed for your environment. It's doing the best you can, right? Mm-hmm. Does that... No, I agree. Sorry. No, yeah. the, the analogy's perfect. Yeah. Um, Bruce Willis and Tom Cruise as a... a Sorry, I cut you off. No, that's, no, a, no. that's a very... You mean, yeah, the reason why Die Hard gets people in a way that Mission Impossible can only dream of is the very reality that Bruce Willis is such a... Uh, fallible hero in that movie, especially the first one, where he's just this schlubby guy in a tank top, barefoot, the whole walking movie. Walking on glass. Walking on glass, barefoot, who is just schlubbing his way through to, a ridiculous situation. He just wants his wife back. Against Alan Rickman, who is clean cut, who has the German accent with a hundred henchmen, and he's in the fucking trench coat the whole movie, and he looks like a badass, and he walks like a badass, he talks like a badass. And Bruce Willis, he's just, you know, he's a New York uh, detective, uh, gets a slice of pizza, yo, what's happening? And, oh, God, I have to be the hero today. And he and he freaks. Those first scenes, when the first of, what is the first thing Bruce Willis does in Die Hard? He calls the fucking cops, and he just stands at the window, just desperately hoping they do the right thing, and then they don't, and then he goes, oh... Yeah. I have to do the whole thing now. And that's a great example of a hero for the person who feels like the system's not working for them. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. a literal... Everyone went to that movie and fell in love with John McClane, and now there's going to be another fucking John McClane movie. Because yeah. you can just make him forever. Yeah, we're, we're not talking about either Tom Cruise or Bruce Willis now. We're talking... Well, I guess we're talking about Tom Cruise. Now. We're talking about Bruce Willis then. We're talking, yeah. yeah. So, so, so the idea is that Sorry, we, don't need, we don't need to change our ideas so much. We just need to change a little bit of how we say them and have the right person who can walk across the line with a little bit more ease. The person who looks the part, the person who acts the part, the person who really is the who is the part. Yeah. That's what it's really about. It's simple shit. It's that's, aesthetics, that's, that's why it's but so it's frust- truthful. That's why it's so frustrating when people say, oh, uh, Oprah should be nominated for president. Or, or, it's right? stupid. Like, 
No, I mean, not just that she's unqualified, not just that she's unqualified, yeah. but that she's not. She's not the person who's who's, who's gonna take it. Gonna have that image. Yeah. It's why I also. Why not? Well, because you think you think, uh, you think Oprah's gonna win the country over. Why? Well, because she's not. Why not? Yeah. I want to. Why would any? My answer is not. Why would she win Michigan? My answer is policy. Why would she win Michigan? Why would she win Wisconsin? She's fucking Oprah. She's loaded. They would piss on her. They would say, "Who the fuck is this woman with so much fucking money coming to my fucking town and telling me how the country should be?" I agree. I agree. That's not the aesthetic thing. It's not. Adam's right. Yeah, yeah. It's like if. If you had, you can have a celebrity like Oprah. Donald Trump is fucking rich, yeah, but he exactly. won Michigan. But he played right. the part. Okay, now he's. A, I, I think you're getting into some shallow territory. Like you're, you're like you're like the working. You're thinking about like the the blue collar working class thing, as opposed to like the multicultural professional class thing, which is how, which is kind of how I perceive the two different parties, like ideal demographic concoction. But it doesn't have to be that shallow. Like Barack Obama's Barack Obama won those Midwestern states, and he doesn't act like a a blue collar rough and tumble I'm guy. Not I'm not saying he has to get that. I mean, we were being a little caricaturish with yes, Bruce Willis as yeah. an example. No, but it was no, a good I know. example. I'm just saying, yeah. especially with the people Oprah, running. Oprah, I, I, I would bet you, I would, I would walk around with a, with a fucking shotgun strapped to my fucking forehead and say, on my life, Oprah would never win this country over. Not in 100,000 years. It's just an impossible... It's, it makes no sense. I agree, I agree. Because there's no way for her to walk into not, a, a yeah. room full of your average American, whatever that is, and say, hey, I can, I can be just like you guys. I can... I, to speak to their needs in a way that is empathetic. Oh, Trump is a different animal because he cut his bones. He made his bones talking with construction workers on the street of Queens for decades. He worked in construction for decades. It's not actually making decades. your bones. It's just he has a background. Like, he has... He, he made his bones when it came to public speaking. He made his bones when it came to making connections and how to talk to people. He learned yes, the hard life. He so did it for actor. decades. He's an, he's an actor. actor. He's different because he is so good at manipulation and he is so good at knowing who he's talking to. Oprah has been on a fucking talk show for decades, and she has no interest in those people. Well, she's also an actress, but she she has a moral backbone, I'd assume. Nah, she's that Trump super rich. doesn't. It's not about the moral backbone. No, it's about it's about a it's about an actual interest in winning the part of the country over that the Democrats have failed to win over. Yeah, it's all cynical and optics. Trump doesn't represent working people at all, but he talks he talks their language a little bit. That's it. That's, that's what we're talking about. That's what Matt's talking about. That's what we're talking about. It's not. It's there's nothing. There's nothing substantive to it other than the mere branding. And does he, does I, I don't think believe? that's how the whole thing works. But that's a lot of it. Does he believe that he represents the working per, working class though? Like, does he act Trump? No, I don't think he gives yeah. a shit about anything. No, he, no, care he, about might, he yeah. might not care, but like, when he talks to the person, like, like he's thinking those thoughts. He's yes. having. He's playing 100%. that part. Right. Yes. Just because. The only part of his mind that works is like he can form he can form opinions. So yeah. it's like when he, when he's saying I, I represent you, maybe he's feeling that. That's what I'm saying. Okay, and yeah. Oprah okay, would not be able to do that. Oprah would always have that part of her that would be like, no, 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 no. I am. I'm well, I don't know how smart. Exactly. She, I don't know much about her. I don't know. 
yeah. We're just talking, I guess we're just using her as a prototype, like, celebrity figure on the left. And this is what we're saying. This is why we're saying that the left The celebrity idolization is just, down. it's like, not um, how we win. And it's why yeah. I think a lot of people, and it's why, you know, it's really funny. Trump tweeted out a while back, and I think this is one of the things he was dead on about. Uh, Saturday Night Live, when Alec Baldwin first started doing the impression, he was like, why is Alec Baldwin doing the impression of me? He's terrible. There used to be an SNL guy. He always used to do my impression. He would sound just like me. Where is he? He's so much better. And, like, Trump wasn't even saying whether or not the content of what Alec Baldwin was saying was bad, but the very fact that the impression was awful. And there were, I mean, I went back and I referenced the person who was doing the impression so much better. And then yeah, you even look, just not that good. And then Baldwin's also a scumbag. Have we forgotten? Like, he's someone who gets kicked off of flights for refusing to put his iPad away. He gets into, like, scrummishes and fistfights over parking spaces. He's just always been this arrogant prick that is just like Trump. So why is it funny when he pretends, you know, he pretends he's like, oh, at least I'm not this arrogant rich asshole. I am this arrogant rich asshole. Like, no. The SNL celebrity... You wonder if it's intentional. It's so hypocritical and ironic. I think it is. You wonder if it's intentional. I think it is, because you guys ever, like, actually seen an interview before Michaels? No. He's a smug son of a bitch. He knows exactly what he's doing. Also, like, Harvey Weinstein threw fundraising dinners. Harvey Weinstein threw fundraising dinners for all the people who run that Democratic Party. He was essential, too. If you want to win... And they knew he was a, a creep. If you want to win over the parts of the country... That have been lost. Parts that should have been dead set one for the Democrats, you're not, not, not gonna do it with a bright, makeup faced, gleaming, clean cut celebrity figure. It will not happen. But you are, will lose. But are you really gonna be able to do it with a tousled hair, tousled hair short, soft shouldered Jew? I would ask the 20,000 people who filled the biggest rally. See, it's not even about the aesthetic. This is where, like, it is. Look at the historical precedent, guys. It it is. Oh my God! But it is. It is genuinely some middle ground between their platform, which is the most like technical, theoretical way of thinking about it, and just the shallow appearance themselves. It's a middle ground. It's like, do you can can you connect to these people? Can you show them that you will be a fighter for them? And Barack Obama was able to do that. You know, despite. Like, nobody in the fucking state of Iowa looking like Barack Obama. But so, so Sanders we'll can't. We'll have our first black president, our first idiot. What? We'll have our first black president, then our first... Oh, our first, first orange president. Orange president, then our first Jewish president. That's how we want it, yeah. That'd be pretty cool. We weren't supposed to talk about Bernie. Did we discuss that? We weren't going oh, to. We ended it. Oh, no, at the beginning. We were just saying that. Oh, I didn't remember that. He wasn't our seed. No, he was not our seed. Right, right. We discussed right. that much. Um, the ultimate question, because we've, we've argued back and forth a bunch on this, uh, ultimately, do you get where we're coming from on this emotional point, discussing yeah. emotions? As, as a tool, you really have to think on it. Because if, if, if you get wound up too much in the ideology, you're never going to reach anybody. You're going to be stuck in echo chambers forever. And then you wind up as one of these crazy, angry-filled old people at these uh, rallies who are just passing out flyers and not reaching anyone outside their echo chamber. It's like being an actor and having to learn your lines so well that you don't have to think about them. You have to be so ingrained in the ideology that the ideology completely slips away and all you're left with is you. And then, and then the, the, the connection starts there and the ideology comes after. Do you want to wrap this up? 
Yeah, so thanks so much for uh, coming to this episode of Carousel Jockeys. Uh, I'm John, and I'm not supposed to wrap up the podcast, but I'm going to. You guys we'll, can we'll address Gen Z another time, I guess. We'll go, no, we'll, we'll get back to Gen Z. We yeah. talked about Gen Z. We, we talked about them. We didn't talk yeah. to them yet. Oh, yeah, we have more. We're going to develop a more. We have more to say. We'll reach your hearts and minds uh, at a later juncture. This wasn't too disappointing. All right, bye, everyone. Wall, mother, water. One of them is a vowel, actually, call the coffee now. Coffee. Coffee. This is, for some people, it's all.